Welcome to episode 14 of the Dimensional Cascade podcast, coming at you from the dungeon in Shoreline, Washington. Uh, with me tonight, I have Tom and, and Jesse. And I'm Aiden. And you may be expecting Ricky, who will be, we're expecting him too. Uh, he had to work late tonight. Um, he's on his way. Uh, we have a special guest in Jesse. Jesse was on, uh, I think, briefly in our tournament zone special for Wet Coast. For Wet Coast, yeah, just for a minute. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, he's joining us tonight because he is our, uh, local undead, uh, champion, for want of a better word. <laughs> we can call him Nagash expert. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's been pushing Nagash around a lot. Well, I think, I think he had the model painted before it came out and, uh, <laughs> and he's been beating us all up with it left, right, and center. So, um, hopefully we'll have, um, some interesting insights there on, uh, you know, how to use Nagash and, and what's been fun and interesting and exciting with, um, him on the battlefield. He's got a good face for radio as well. Jesse thank does, you, which you. is why we invited him mostly. <laughs> well, you know, I think that could be sad for all four of, <laughs> four of us. Um, all right. So, um, the theme of, uh, tonight's whole podcast is of course, uh, the end times Nagash book. Um, we will go into campaign corner where we'll talk about er, all of the fluff that comes in the book and spoiler alerts. Yeah. Lots all of spoilers. spoilers coming at you. Um, you know, we're not the first podcast to review it. Um, so chances are if you're, if you're a podcast listener, you've, you've already had all the spoilers, but, <laughs> but fair warning, if you don't like spoilers, um, you're going to have to skip the, uh, well, most of the podcast really, um, go and listen to something else. Chances are with the new book just around the corner, people have been yeah madly reading through the Nagash book anyway. Yeah. They'll have been exposed to it. So, um, we will then for our art of war, um, talk about the new rules that come within Nagash book and the changes that have, uh, come, as a result of the end times to uh, Warhammer in general. It's the game as a whole, yeah. Yep. I think without further ado, we will get rolling. News and rumors. Okay, news and rumors. So, um, lots of news on the chaos front. Yeah, the interwebs are abuzz with the whole uh, end times 2 release. Yep. Which is Glotkin. Glotkin with two T's. Um, I'm already seeing lots of people spell it with just one T. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Yeah, terrible. And it's actually, they are the Glotkin. The, the Glotkin, because they are the brothers Glot. Yes. Three brothers who are... So this, I guess, a lot will be revealed when the book actually comes out and we get to read it, but it's slightly confusing as to uh, how the story is playing out, what Archaon's up to. He's just sending somebody else to go and wreck the whole empire for him. Yeah. While he sits pretty up north. I, I think we should forego any real speculation on the storyline um, too much um, because we're going to cover the Nagash stuff. And then sure. um, and then the storyline, I think, uh, will be subject of another episode. Um, but let's talk a bit about the models. So there's been a bunch of uh, Nurgle models. Did we talk about some of them last time? I think last time we talked a little bit about the Blight Kings and maybe the the Magoth Lords pictures had just been leaked, I think, when yeah, we were talking right. last that's time. Right. And uh, those Blight Kings, they're still bothering me. I, I have a feeling that the infantry entry in White Dwarf is still a misprint. You think? I, I think so. So these, if anybody hasn't they got seen, three they're, pretty, they're big models. They're on uh, 40 mil bases. 40 mil bases. Three wounds each. But they're listed as just regular infantry. But I think it's deliberate. You think so? Um, the 
they're priced pretty reasonably if they were going to be monstrous infantry. Well, how many points are they? 40 points each. But that's, I mean, that's the same as a troll. Right? Yeah, but they're tough five. Do they have they any got, armor or regen or They've got chaos armor, shields, choice of weapons, what they use in combat. Hmm. You know, weapon skill six, initiative five. They're basically like chaos warriors on drugs with three wounds. Okay. Well, and, and if they were monstrous infantry as well, and got the stomp, stomp. and yeah, those mm. shenanigans, yeah, immune to killing blow. But the weird thing is, if you're on a forty mil base, um, but you're only infantry, that means you have to be five wide to get a rank. Yeah, right. right. And so now they're, you're... they're sold in a box of five, which makes me believe it is oh, yeah. um, okay. deliberate. Deliberate infantry. Yeah, because if you look at the models themselves. They're not actually much taller or anything than a Chaos Warrior. So I think they're supposed to be like just fat, like uber chosen yeah. of Chaos. And they made the models and just couldn't get them on a regular infantry base. Yeah, I think so that was in the design notes as well. Yeah. yeah decided they were huh. going to do it this way. Well, it does mean that your second rank is only getting one attack each, even though they have three on the profile. Yeah. Because if they were monstrous infantry, they'd get it, be getting three each from the second rank as well. Which means you're never really going to see them fielded in two ranks. Kind of makes sense to just take a unit five. And that means you, but you're taking a unit of five that has a footprint of, of you know, 10 elves. Right. You know, right. Because it's, it's 200 mils. It has a footprint of 20 elves. Well, yes, technically 20 a elves, frontage, but a frontage, a frontage of 10, 10 elves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like two by 10. Yeah, it's, it becomes a pretty unwieldy unit, I think. Yeah. I you could just so. rock a unit of three. Uh, uh, can you take them as three? Uh, uh, it might be five up. might, be, might five be five plus, up, actually. Yeah. I think it's if five plus. infantry. Yeah. yeah. I think so. it's five plus. So, yeah, I don't know how useful they actually are. Yeah. Toughness five is huge. That's really good. It's better than most monstrous infantry, even. True, but... Um, and maybe now this will roll right into our rumors. Um, and these are pretty confirmed rumors. The the Glotkin book um, has the uh, Chaos Legion rules in it, mm -hmm. which basically means you can take any unit you like out of Beastman, <laughs> Warriors of Chaos, and Demons of Chaos, and mix and match to your heart's content. Yeah, it opens a lot up. So I'm like, okay, 40 points for a Blight King, or what is it, 55 for a Beast of Nurgle? Or is it 65? Uh, 60 points. 60 points? 60 points for a Beast of Nurgle. Yeah. I, they fulfill a different role, though. I would more compare them to... You can take a unit of Blight Kings or basically twice as many Chaos Warriors. Yeah. That's how the point... Like a Chaos Warrior with a mark and a weapon upgrade is 20 points. Yeah. The Blight Kings cost twice that much. They've got the three wounds on the profile, the tough five. Yeah. You're making your choice of weapon between... Two hand weapons, a hand weapon and a shield, and a great weapon at the beginning of each combat. Yeah. So they have the versatility there. Yeah, and but they don't, they don't come from core. They don't right. come from... If they were came in core, I would rock a unit of Blight Kings as the core. But they're special, are they? Or they are come they? special, yeah. yeah. Which probably, if you're a power gamer, you're now filling up with all the chimeras. And or, or, you know, pick your, pick yeah. your favorite. There's a lot of good special in all three of those books. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the the leaked photos of the Glotkin book, again, we won't go into this in too much detail, but basically as we had for the Undead Legion, combining Vampire Celts and Tomb Kings, we've got the same thing for Chaos now. Yep. There's, are there any restrictions at all? Not that I could see. I like, the, again, there's a list of units you can take, but I think it's pretty comprehensive. Look pretty comprehensive. Um, 
from all three books. And there's a few small rule changes, yeah. like demons that are taken in that way lose their demonic instability rule and just get regular, regular. unstable. Regular unstable, yeah. Um, so it, it changes some things up a bit, but essentially leads the door open to a lot of very powerful builds. Very powerful, which is kind of scary because it's not it like... Is scary. Warriors and Demons were both uh, a pretty strong list. I mean, it's great for your Beastman because now they have some interesting versatility. Right. But, uh, you know, I think they've taken two of the strongest armies and allowed them to become stronger <laughs> basically uh, yeah so now um, i think we're going to see warriors list with skull warriors cannons, with skull cannons. Um, i don't know what if i'm a warriors player i don't know what else i'm really too bothered about fielding from the demons book a few beasts of nurgle probably as my chaff yeah um you might want to take a, a greater demon so you can get a portal glyph and put something nasty in the portal glyph right you know, true. there's some interesting combinations i think people will think up and if you're likewise if you're a demons player you may want to take a, a chaos wizard so you can get access to like a dispel scroll or yeah you know that's definitely a, if like, i'm a demons player i'm probably just swapping out my core for chaos warriors core yeah and then keep all of my other fun fluffy stuff from what, the demons. what you wouldn't take on gore <laughs> don't make me laugh um i mean beastmen do get you know if you still want to build your army as predominantly your favorite one of the three you know warriors beasts or demons and just add in a few extras then beasts are definitely getting the biggest bump out of this because you can take your regular beastman list but just add the nice tidbits that you need to make it actually a yeah. viable list uh, as somebody pointed out, um, put a mark of Zinch on your Doom Bowl and give him a four up board. Now he's got a, a one up, three up. Uh, you know, you can have a one up armor save and a three and up, a three up board, board save. save when you reroll ones. So he becomes. Uh, I, you can't reroll ones. No? That's only. that You have to have the uh, third eye of Zinch for that, is yeah. the magic item. Oh, okay. You're not allowed to, tr not allowed to, to ma mix and match magic items. Even still, books. one up, three up is pretty nasty. I think that if you're really going for the for the power cheese then i think the best combo is instead of putting your doom bulls in a unit of minotaurs you just put them in a unit of trolls instead and give them the blackened plate which is blackened plate is a four up board against flaming attacks it's a beastman item uh, for the whole unit oh gross so now trolls have regen against everything that's not flaming and, and then four a four up board save against things that are flaming so yeah. There's a lot, of shenanigans. There's a lot of yeah. shenanigans. My hope is people are going to play it fluffy. You uh, know, take, some people will. Take a mono god list or take basically the same list you're running, but add in a few flavor things. Yeah. Well, I think like for from GW's perspective, um, this is, is smart marketing in that they are saying, here's, here's this set of rules that gives you, um, you know, some life in your old army. And some reason to collect, you know, maybe some of the really big or centerpiece type models from other armies. Exactly. And that's really what's. what's I think it's really very a on. very smart strategy. They've essentially just released a couple of books now. Yep. And just had people scrambling to buy all the all models that they had yeah. made already. Yeah. Like yeah, it's all they had to do. Like yeah. how many people have you seen online? Like oh yeah, I just picked up Carl Friends because these new rules are. Yeah, and yep. I'm just gonna add a demon prince to my yeah next man and stuff. Next like rumor so. is uh, you know. Uh, the the Glotkin book includes the rules for a new Carl Franz, a new Festus, uh, the Glotkin themselves, who the are, Glotkin, who are kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I don't, 
I don't think we should go into all the rules Let's for the go into characters. It. We'll do that in our Glotkin review. Enough to say that Carl Franz is a combat beast. Oh, he's a death machine. Glotkin um, is is interesting and in that he's relatively good in combat, but seems like to fulfill a, a pretty good support role as well. Yeah, he's like a really... Like, I think like he fills, a quarterback, kind of. Well, I think he fills the same role as a greater demon does in the demon army, right? You know, usually the greater demons are both your primary caster and good su- combat support. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's doing the same thing. Sure. So should we talk about the model the quickly? This By is all means, probably talk about the model. probably volume wise, this has to be the biggest fantasy model ever created. He's yeah. not quite as tall as Nagash, I think, but much bigger. Though. Yeah, he's got the girth. Very beefy and nerdless. Yeah, all very. All the, all the pictures I've seen of him, they actually had to turn the 100 by 150 base sideways. Uh, yeah, he's, so he has a huge frontage. Yeah, he does have a huge frontage, and, uh, which actually works out pretty nicely for him because he has the Nurgle's rot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where which means everything that touches him is taking a, take a strength a strength one hit strength with no, one, armor, no saves. armor saves. Yeah, so sixes to kill lots of stuff. Yeah. stuff. yeah. Anyway, the model is pretty epic. It's uh, so like we were saying, the the brothers Glot are these three brothers. One of them is like a combat lord. One is a wizard. And one has just been mutated into this giant weird beast. Like he's with basically a big tentacle arm. Yeah, a big humanoid, nurgleish humanoid yeah. that's big enough for the other two to ride on the top of. Yeah, and his back has been kind of warped into like a palanquin kind of shape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that they that the other two perch on. Um, and it's it's quite a thing to behold. I still don't entirely know what I think about it. I, it's certainly an <laughs> intricate model. Yeah, intricate and very eye-catching. Um, but uh, it's hard to get your head around a little bit. It has these like eyes all over its back and just you know weird Nurgle stuff. I'm not a fan of Nurgle. We went over that last time. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Nurgle stuff. <laughs> so so yes, the Glotkin um, probably will be out by the time you hear this podcast. Um, and um, <laughs> it's got those rules that we mentioned. It's got a half a dozen new scenarios in it. Um, and more fluff. It's a, a smaller book than the Gash, mm-hmm. um, cheaper to go with it. And uh, it's book two of the end times. So. Yeah, it seems like it, you know, it doesn't have to set up the whole end times deal like the first book did. It just kind of continues the narrative so it can be a bit shorter. Yep, yep. Uh, any other uh, news or rumors? News and rumors. Not that I could. Uh, well, we had, I don't know if we want to talk about this now or in the Nagash review, but we had the kind of FAQs from GW, which just basically yeah. announced that some of the things we're going to talk about in the Nagash review have become official, official Warhammer. Warhammer rules. We'll now. talk about that when we get to the so, Art of War. The yeah. game, the, yeah, this is not just a, a supplement campaign kind of thing. The it's game itself game changing, has, has yeah. definitely changed. Yeah. Um, something that uh, is public knowledge, but that everybody might not know, um, Games Workshop, um, back when they released their annual review, said that they were taking open calls for CEO, um, and they are going to be interviewing people for CEO next Friday, the 7th. Um, and so um, I know at least one person who is, is I believe, going to be interviewing, which is kind of cool. Um, but... Uh, hopefully we will have a new CEO announced um, by the end of November. I, I'm, I'm guessing that's the sort of time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, remains to be seen what the new blood will do with the uh, the company and the, the games, but it's uh, interesting times for sure. Yep. Cam, 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 Cam,
So this is our second campaign corner. I've decided, uh, you know, anything that's that's fluff and, and campaign related. We're just going to lump under the banner of campaign, campaign corner. corner. You know what? Otherwise, I've got this great sound effect that I made uh, that, <laughs> that, that, I don't, any, that I don't get to use, you know. Anyway, Ricky has joined us. Welcome, Ricky. Hello. Um, he did not bring any characters for the pit tonight because he's coming straight from work. And Sorry, I apologize. Everyone. No, that's fine, dude. You're working we all until know what nine the o'clock. Would have been anyway. Malagor wins again. No, I don't think Malagor. Malagor no, Malagor was going to take a, a little rain check. Yeah, I, I think we were going to try the changeling versus somebody combat yeah, combatty. I don't know. Mm. Uh, have you got the next model uh, on the go yet? Or well, um, I was able to get. Uh, who's the Bretonian king on the pe- on the hippogriff? Uh, I got him, so I cool. could paint him up, or um, I might do Nagash. So oh. Nagash and Glotkin, I think, would be fun. And I do need to do. We haven't done a VC character yet, so we could either do Nagash, who I guess technically is VC, but he's not. He's on the Legion, man. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like maybe we oh. should do a, a pure VC character. Maybe, maybe we should do Nagash Vlad. versus Cetra. Yeah. Uh, I was looking I at. Vlad. I really like the um, the female Van Karsteen. What's her name? Isabella. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool models. Or we should do a doubles match because Vlad and Isabella have that cool like dual ability. Oh really? If they're together, they yeah. Get if to they're do together, something? they do something against the Sisters of Twilight cool. from the Wood Elf book. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or and against the crazy. Glotkin. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Three on two. I don't know if that's fair, man. <laughs> I don't know. Two vampires taking on Glotkin? Do you think it's possible? I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. I think that probably That's why actually. we invented the pit to see if yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Woo! All right. It's all, all right. happening. Okay. okay. So. Just not today. All right. Meanwhile, back in the end times. Mm. <laughs> so the Gash book uh, it comes. <laughs> I, I have the digital edition, um, gratefully donated by Ricky. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and uh, I also have a few of the. Um, I see a few of the uh, hardback editions here in front of the chaps around yeah, the table. Yeah, I think three of us have the have the hardbacks out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a double book set. Um, how, how many pages are in the big book? Like three hundred. Big book is like two hundred two ninety ish. Wow. Yeah. 280 pages of all fluff and art. And, um, like, before we go into the actual contents, we should just comment on, like, you know, the quality and aesthetic of this thing. Yeah. Because it's probably, in my for my money, the best book I've ever bought from GW. Yeah. It's, like, incredible. Yeah. The I, artwork. A lot of the artwork is kind of rehashed from army books. A lot is new. Um, but it's all just put together in a very... Yeah, very pleasing way. So, so like broadly speaking, um, there are five chapters and an introduction, um, and each chapter really talks about a thread of the storyline with mm-hmm. one of the main characters, and a series of battles. Um, and for each of the battles, um, they really go into detail on you know what are the units involved in the yeah, battle. Yeah, there's and like they, a dual page spread for each of the armies involved with a little bio for the characters. It reminds me a lot of the uh, was it the Blood of Sigmar that came out last yeah, year. Yeah, it's kind, kind of the same template where they yeah, show you know, the little, campaign and yeah. each individual unit. Yeah, there's even an appendix in the back that kind of talks about every unit. Oh, the historically accurate mm-hmm. units that yeah, were there, each, if you want to feel the actual. Uh, yeah, each unit kind of has a name and a little bit of history. I love that. Um, um, it's yeah, it's very, very inspiring um, for your own stuff. I think, mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, there there are uh, I guess 
about four or five main characters. I think four probably. Who are you calling the main um, characters? So the ones story? there's one in in each of the chapters, right? So the 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 prelude, which is called the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. uh, talks about all of the races in the right. world. It's kind of setting the scene for what each race is up to at this point, which if if you have the army book for each race, it's kind of where that army book leaves off in the mm-hmm. timeline and then jumped forward just a little forward to what's to the beginning of the kind of chaos invasions and stuff and how that's affecting things. So is there anything notable in particular for any of the armies that you noticed in that bit? Well, so here's what I did. I went through and I um, made a note of everything that died or got destroyed. Just in this prelude bit? Uh, Across the whole... Across the whole book. The whole book. Um, Seems like a fitting way to kind of summarize the book. Yeah. Seems a lot of things die and get destroyed. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's start with so so. There's this massive um, uh, chaos incursion. That's really what's going on here. It's the beginning of Archaon's kind of invasion. Yeah, yeah, the vanguard is sweeping through the empire. Yeah, well, and and it's and it's not just the empire. It's also Ulthuan. Um, right. It's also All Nag- the demons Nag- are arriving in Ulthuan and Nagaroth. Right. Um, I mean, it's basically they're coming down from the north, and if you're in the north, uh, you're getting attacked by chaos. And it's not even turns or- out. It's not even organized. Really, what it is is like Archaon saying, "Hey, everybody, come, come, we're gonna go fight." And everybody gets there, and Archaon's like, "Wait for it, wait for it," and and some people get excited and just go and and basically take out cities and and. Do you know, do you know why it's not organized, Aiden? Because they're chaos. Because it's chaos. Yeah, yeah but. <laughs> But what I'm saying is it's not it's not led by Archaon. Organized chaos. Oh god. It's gonna be one of those nights. Okay, so Archaon's um, just like, guys, why are, you, why are you doing it that way? So um So anyway, we set the scene for each for each race. For each race. Um the high elves get you know, really badly hit. They lose a couple of cities. Um, I've, I've noted down that uh, Elysia and Tor Dinal were are overrun by demons. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. Good uh, riddance. Yeah. Pointy ears. There are at yeah, least three or four other no cities. No sympathy for the elves, man. <laughs> I was hoping they'd just be struck off the pages of Warhammer altogether. <laughs> they, they still might. <laughs> no more elves. Yeah, we got to have somebody to hate, yeah. right? Um, um, and also for the high elves, there's... Uh, the Ever Queen's daughter has disappeared, and that's kind of if anybody read the Sigmar's Blood campaign book, that was kind of a theme in that as well. There were characters from all over the Warhammer world just kind of disappearing. Yep, Aliathra, the uh, yep. the princess of Ulfheim, was one of those, and yeah, Teclis is super keen to go find her and save her. I think is, is Tyrion is super, super Tyrion, I yeah, mean, yeah, 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 the other brother who turns out to be her dad. Whoa, what? Um, <laughs> wait, what? What? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the high elves, I think, um, um, Finnevar, the, 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 he's the current king of all the high elves, locks himself in a tower and, uh, and that causes like this big schism among the high elves. And, um, is it Imric? The, the, he is the, like the leader of the dragon princes. He's the, Kalador. the boss of Kalador. Yeah. Basically says, screw you guys. We're going our own way. And, uh, you can go. Go young, but only if you ride a dragon. Um, it's not anyway, how the song goes in. It, it is. It's, it is in, in Ulthuan. Yeah. Um, 
So, <laughs> yeah. God, so nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the high elves. They, they, lots of demons. Uh, Kalidor goes off on its own, and everybody else fights the demons. All right. Then we've got the Empire, lots of chaos. Kislev's yeah, gone. Kislev is gone. Um, and the Empire gets mentioned quite a lot in the rest of the book, so we'll come back to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beastmen, just getting excited about chaos. That's pretty that. much what they do. Um, What's going on with the Wood Elves? Um, the, Nothing the, interesting. Not really. The Everqueen from Ulthuan comes to visit oh, yeah. and says, please go rescue my, my daughter. Uh, my daughter. Yeah. And so Araloth trumps off and tries to go and do that, goes into Sylvania, and we'll come into all that a little bit later. Sweet. Um, then oh, Bretonia Bretonia. has been in the middle of a civil war. Yeah. So but the, it turns out uh, Arkan... The Black was manipulating this whole civil war from Ooh, the get-go, right? Well, that's was, fun. Yeah. Um, whoever the... Malabod. Malabod, suitably Arthurian name. Yes. Somebody, yeah. So he's been rebelling. Turns out that he was like a, a puppet of Arkan yep. all along. Yep. And so at the end, he he's not only fighting with his own dudes, but he's fighting with undead. Um, so... Uh, there are only three special characters in the Bretonian book, if I recall correctly. Uh, Luan Luancar, the king. Um, Morgiana Le Fay, the, the big uh, sorceress. And the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all three mentioned here. So uh, Luan Luancar fights against Malabod um, in single combat. And uh, his broken body is cast to the ground and he disappears. Mm-hmm. So he's missing, presumed dead. Um then Morgiana Le Fay is also one of these missing mysterious missing disappeared people, which we'll come to in a mm-hmm. little bit. And the Green Knight comes to rescue the day and turns out to be none other than Gilles Le Breton. Yeah, the uh, founder of Bretonia in the first place. Hmm. So now. Wait, but, so is he like somehow so, magically immortal or something yeah well that was the whole thing with the green knight right he was kind of hanging around forever and the and the whole nobody really knew what the green knight was he just came mm. and the whole um um prophecy was oh gilles le breton will will uh return when in bretonia's you know darkest hour and you know initially they thought oh he's come back because of malabod and it's all terrible and mm-hmm. oh now bretonia is darker great. hours to come though. Yeah, exactly okay. exactly the right. green knight that's a sweet model man we should mm-hmm. get that in the pit i like the green knight yeah if i could um sweet i think when i last checked the the site they didn't have it for sale so that's mm-hmm. why i was mm-hmm. was gonna order it let's look and see right now see if i can get all that. right while you're looking that up i will tell everyone that the city of bordello um, has just vanished. So that's another, it's a city in, in Bretonia. Um, there's a, a bunch of cities that, uh, that were badly damaged or badly, uh, you know, even whole regions of, of Bretonia have been kind of, um, knocked out by the undead. So mm-hmm. it's really in a, in a bad place. Okay. So they do have them available again. He's a nice model. He's yeah. an old life, but he's still nice. Yeah. He was one of, I remember him being, used as the basis for a lot of conversions to for sure for sure um, super good model yeah so um one other note that i made in a slightly different color because it wasn't something that uh was being destroyed but the skaven um they they unleashed the first stage the council of 13 unleashed the first stage of its master plan uh-huh. and like we don't that can't be good yeah with a surface invasion a, a right new here. era of skaven domination had begun 
So the Skaven basically took out Tilia and Astalia. Yeah, right. So like, well, that was bound to happen. Those those areas were so disorganized and squabbly and petty anyways. Then and all not they very needed was to the Warhammer and the Skaven were right there. In general, so they're right on the northern border of them. Yep. Skaven blazes right yeah, there. Yeah, right? yep. so, yep. so that so those gone. are now gone. Yeah, yeah, that's that was bound to happen. But then also one of the council, the leader of, of the Council of Thirteen, <laughs> right, Lord Morskatar. Yep. He gets uh, he gets annexed by the Horned Rat himself, who turns up and he's like, "All right, it's time to make the massive plan happen." So, huh. uh, so the Horned Rat's back, man. Maybe. So they kill one. Wait, wait, one of the council gets killed or eaten, or the person, the, head of the, the, yeah. the person in the number one seat on the Council of Thirteen gets just zapped. Yeah. yeah, don't they have to sacrifice every time they want to bring one? Uh, I think the horned rat just kind of appeared. So like, um, you know, one of the uh. big vermin lord types or, you know, whatever it is. Um, they, they had the council of 13 meeting and puff, there's this dude. There's the, there's the horned rat. Whoops. Sweet. Yeah. So we might get a lot of things wrong in this review. It's been a while since some of us yeah. uh, read some of the earlier parts of the book. That but part about not at all. We'll that try and is... get it accurate when people die and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that part about, uh, so there, there's the, the, it is in that spot. Um, mm. it's uh, the most Lord Morskatar, the most exalted warlock and master of Clan Scryer, is in there, and Lord Nurglich, and blah blah blah, and blah, blah, blah. Know, I'm just get zapped, dead. Who needs him? It's Kritzlik. Kritzlik. Who is Kritzlik? Oh, yeah, Kritzlik. Seer Lord. So the leader of the Grey Seers, yeah. yeah, um, dies and. Uh, and buff, there's just a line that says the horned rat. The had horned come. rat had come. Whoa, lucky rat. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then the last Kiki. part, the, the last part is a bit about the the vampire counts. Well, the the ogres are all on the move. The, the ogres are all on the move. Race yes, that's true. Leaving their homeland and heading east, west, west, heading west towards the empire. They're going so west. That's going to happen at some point. Life is peaceful there. Yeah, that's yeah. right here. Um, that's a good song yeah. <laughs> oh we're on fire tonight yeah how can we sum up the end time this book in, in just a few songs yeah. <laughs> ogres go worst um, come from the land of the ice and snow yeah that's okay. <laughs> well, that'll be Glotkin. Yeah. anyway what are we talking about um, I was just going to run through I have a, a paragraph here that just kind of summarizes um, some of the bits and bobs about all of the people who um whom Manfred had kidnapped. So mm. um, I'm just going to read it ver verbatim. Um, Morgiana Le Fay had been the acquisition that Manfred had feared most, for historically his kind of meant nothing save ruin in Bretonia. As matters transpired, she was the first to be ensnared, delivered into Manfred's clutches by Dreika of Athelwarren. The branch wraith gave no explanation for her deeds, and Manfred accepted the gift with but a token attempt to slay the giver. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that that's because it wasn't Morgiana Le Fay actually a an elf? Um, or isn't isn't is it at Morgana or is it the Lady of the Lake is actually an elf? One of the one of the two is actually an elf planted there by um uh Ariel. Ah. Yeah. Uh Aliathra, the other child of Ulthuan, was the next prey taken, whisked twice away from beneath the protection of her own people and the dwarfs of Karaz Akarak. Last to fall and symbolically most important was Volkmar, Grand Theogenist of Sigmar. Lured to Sylvania by pride and taken in battle during that arrogant invasion. So that's basically the entire storyline of Sigmar's blood. Yep, in one paragraph. Yeah. Um, and um, spoiler, all three of them are going to die real soon. <laughs> um, so, 
that is the beginning of the end times. And it's a really, it's a really interesting read because each little bit is only like what two to four pages on each race, and the pace of it is really yeah, is really and it fast. sets up a really like epic and dramatic kind of picture. Yep, yep, for sure. Very apocalyptic for everybody, really. Yeah. All right, so chapter one, an accursed alliance. So chapter one is primarily about Manfred and Arkin. Manfred and Arkin. Yeah. Arkin the accursed yeah. alliance is Manfred and Arkin. So, um, brief history about these guys. I think we talked a bit about some of the undead history in one of our other episodes and got it so very wrong. Um, and I think a couple of people called us on it online. I'm like, really? Yeah. And then I read through it and I'm like, whoa, this is not what I thought had happened at all. Huh. Anyway, so Manfred, one of the von Karstein crew from Sylvania, um, he killed Vlad von Karstein. Or facilitated uh, Facilitated, his death. was behind his death. He hid his ring. That's right. <laughs> uh, and um, he has become the dominant power of Sylvania and has created like this eternal blackness over Sylvania. Yeah, he seceded Sylvania from the Empire, from the Empire. and just built this wall around it that none can pass. None shall pass. And meanwhile, Arkhan the Black is trying to bring Agash back. That's basically... Arkhan, you know despite being really cool and really powerful is complete fanboy of Nagash. The whole oh, way yeah. this. He's like, never says a bad word about him. Does his master's bidding entirely. He just hears his voice in his head constantly. Right. He's got Nagash whispering to him. <laughs> yeah. Whispering sweet nothings. Mm. <laughs> sweet, sweet nothings. So the interesting thing here is like, um, so Arkin knows that there's a whole bunch of things that need to be collected in order to perform this ritual to bring Nagash back. Yep. Mm -hmm. It turns out that Manfred has already been gathering a lot of those things for his own ends uh, for this kind of spell that would seal off Sylvania and just happens to be in possession of a lot of the, the books of Nagash and other, you know, these... Um, these kind of royal bloodline hostages he's taken, all stuff that also needs to be gathered to bring Nagash back. So Arkin obviously has um, a strong motivation for forging an alliance with. Yeah, um, yep, for sure. With Manfred, but what's what's Manfred got to gain from this whole thing? Um, he is basically plotting. Yeah, so scheming. He, he's like, okay. I'll help you, and at the last moment, I'm going to betray you and take all the power for myself. And what what is actually thinking this early in the game is that he can kind of help perform this ritual to bring Nagash back, and then manipulate it to like bend Nagash to his will. Yeah, this fool. Yeah, <laughs> he, this he gets a plan. bit of a rude awakening when Nagash we'll comes back. That, yeah. Basically, his plan is. Yeah, he's a smart. He's a smart guy. This guy. Yeah, he's decided he's just going to bring back. Help bring back Nagash, but Ben Nagash to his own will. Yeah, for sure. So, so we'll see how that goes. So they, one of the these items that they're after is in a holy shrine in Bretonia, mm -hmm. and so they kind of march through Bretonia and to try and and get this. I think it's the armor. Um, yeah. So the things they need, I, I guess they need the Morricane, his armor, and 
Alakash this Alakash his or Alakanash is his staff and uh yes, and he had destroyed the Fellblade. The Fellblade they had to, the Fellblade had destroyed him and so had kind of consumed part of him. So mm -hmm. they needed to get, so the gotta get the Fellblade. So these are all things that over the next chapter or two we're gonna we're yep. gonna gather. Yep. Hmm. It's kind of like a, a plot for a role playing game, you know. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Yeah. And it allows it's kind of clever, you know. It allows them to bring in a lot of the Warhammer armies for sure into the storyline, whereas it could just be a story of undead, bring the gash back, fight empire and chaos. But this allows them to really tie in a lot of the other yeah. armies, which yeah. is fun for for the fans of those armies. Yeah, I think the only things that don't make much of an appearance in here, um, Lizardmen, um, ogres. Ogres, yeah, everyone um, who lives kind of far dark, away. Dark elves, the elves in general. Well, the high elves, maybe a little. The wood elves, yeah. a little, but not much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's really the kind of old world. Yeah, armies the old world. That are... Um, so they they plow through Bretonia. Um, uh, there's I made a little note here that Carcassonne and Brion are already reduced to desolation by rebellion and plague. Um, and Quinell's is pretty much gone as well. And the Duke gets killed as part of this campaign. So, mm -hmm. um, that. That's kind of what goes on in that chapter. It's uh, so it's that's out. the Battle of La Maison Tal. Yes, right? La Maison Tal is where they are getting Alakanash. It's Alakanash, yeah, yeah. It's not the armor. It's the staff. There. Yeah. Does anybody of note die in this? Well, something of note oh, yeah. that happens here is uh, Heinrich. So Arkan, Arkan is leading this attack on La Maison Tal, and he has Heinrich Kemmler and Krell with him yep so any any people who follow the vampire Celts fluff will know that krell is kind of somewhat bound to heinrich kemmler right heinrich no one really knows who's bound to who who's the bound two to are who, always, but always together yeah right? they're kind of bound somehow so they're with arkin in this fight but heinrich kemmler has he been has he formed some kind of alliance with chaos on the sly or he just mm -hmm. has his own schemes going I think, on. I yeah. think I think it reveals at the end of the battle that uh, Heinrich was planning on betraying Arkin. Mm -hmm. That's right. All along, and they get into a battle in the yeah. He basically uh, Arkan toasts yeah, Heinrich Arkan, Kemmler. Arkan kicks his ass. Yeah, and uh, and they get uh, Alakanash, the staff from. So it's a really cool battle. Um, it, it's reproduced in the scenarios later. Um, effectively, the Bretonian characters have to, or the Bretonian army has to defend this uh, uh, holy site while the undead are trying to, you know, get into the castle to to get the staff. Um, some, you know, what I will, um, do we want to cover the scenarios now, or do you want to do that a little bit towards the end? Uh, I haven't actually read the scenarios, okay. so if if you if they fit in nicely with the fluff, then yeah, just yeah. I think this is interesting because um, you know the Bretonians is still one book that hasn't been um, hasn't been reprinted yet or redone, and they they have some special rules for the scenario that are about the knights um, that I thought were interesting and may um, be a sign of things to come. So one is that knights of the realm and knights errant may include. Uh, uh, units may include any number of models, which is, you know, uh, old books had a limit on how many models you can uh -huh. have in them. And they can form lances that are up to four models wide. So you could have a three wide lance or you could have a four wide lance. Wait, say this again. This is a scenario special rule for the this Bretonian oh. um, thing. And one of the special rules is you can have a lance that's four models wide. You probably wouldn't want to, though. The Bretonians love having that little narrow frontage. 
Yeah. You just fill it up with characters and then but yeah, you could have four characters up front. Yeah, but it's not bad for Knights Errant though, I don't think, you know. because um, they they're a little stronger, right? They're strength four nah. on the chart. Uh, so they get strength six. Um it's not terrible to have that wider frontage. You get more supporting attacks. Um so nah. yeah. Anyway, um and then um this uh, this thundering charge special rule, which I thought was interesting. Um if the Knights of the Realm or the Knights Errant unit has more than 15 models in it and they charge that turn and they're in Lance Formation, um, they have the Stomp special rule. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there's a reason to have four wide, right? That's an extra Stomp attack. Extra Stomp. Yeah. Uh, and That'd I imagine... three, though. You would, well, n why? Because the uh, you're using the horse's strength now. It doesn't say that. It just says that you, you have the Stomp special rule. You'd be strength. Well, you would be strength three for the Knights of the Realm, right? That's their base strength, isn't it? The Knights Errant are strength four. Yeah, yeah. I'd imagine um, you use the horse's strength. You use though, right? the mount's strength. When you if you have a monstrous uh, cavalry, you use the monster, the the beasts. But strength three strength. stomp. It's still horse hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Horses normally do more damage than the knights anyway, so <laughs> might as well just roll more yeah. dice with them. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, it it's, is cool, it's not though. it's not game changing, but it's like I. I'm sure that was inspired by something, and maybe it was inspired by rules of things to come. Um, okay, so that was, uh, so that so so that chapter is divided into three parts. That was the first part. Um, Unsurprisingly, the undead win that battle. Yes, get the staff. Yes, there's yeah. a lot of that in this book. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, undead winning all the battles. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, do they actually lose any battles? Any? They do a few actually. Um, We'll, we'll come to those. Well, the ones where undead are fighting undead. <laughs> Somebody has to Somebody lose. Loses. But at the same time, the undead always win those ones too. Anyway, we've got the staff. Oh, what are we going to get next? Um, I'm not sure. I think we're off to get the foul blade from the Skaven. Um, well, there was um, the next scenario in the book is the fall of, of uh, the Battle of Mordkin Lairs. Yeah, that's, the, that's so uh, the Skaven. going to get the foul blade. Yeah. So I like this um, as a kind of cool um, – well, obviously, I've been playing Skaven a lot <laughs> lately, so that, that was part of it. So timeline-wise, this happens at kind of the same time as Maisontal. They've just split the forces, and Manfred has come to do this while Larkin's yep. doing the, the Bretonia thing. Yep, so they go uh, underground into this Skaven lair and uh, and – Basically, beat the duff out of the Skavens and and take the Fellblade. Are there any kind of fine hours for the Skaven in this story? The I don't think so. There's something where, well, they they kill a bunch of skeletons. They like seal off the lair with this chasm kind of thing. But then Manfred just comes along and raises some massive corpse bridge. Yeah, and just strolls yeah. across it. And and beyond that, he uh, he just comes along and and uh, doesn't he reanimate their gates or something? Their gates were made out of a, a dragon. Made out of a dragon, yeah. yeah. He, turns it, he turns it into <laughs> he a, turns uh, it into a zombie dragon, dragon. And, and, yeah. and out it comes and just wrecks the uh, runs rampant yeah. among the Skaven. That was that was a very pitched battle. I remember that actually being one of my favorite stories uh, in the scenario, just because it was so uh, it was yeah. so brutal for the for the Skaven to lose for once against a, another swarm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So, so something that comes across in this early chapter is just how powerful these undead characters are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Arkan and Man, Arkan and uh, Manfred. Manfred. Yeah, they're really, 
like, like from one a, man armies fluff wise from a narrative perspective and i and i think um yeah the way they describe it is oh oh look there's bones okay i've got an army yeah you know um which isn't necessarily how they play out on the battlefield but i guess if you think about you know we only play through six turns of a combat mm-hmm. you know which is almost like a skirmish um, you think about a battle, they're going to have a chance to raise a lot of death. And Arkham can raise a pretty hefty army uh, with Law of Undeath. Oh, yeah. Because he's stuff. kind of mini Nagash, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nagash mini me. Yeah, he is. Yep. All right. So that was the um, the second part. That's the slaughter in the dark was getting the... Uh, um, uh, getting the Fellblade. And then the third part is, I think, getting the uh, getting the armor. Um, and this is the where they go into the Empire. Ah, uh, to Hel- so, Heldenheim. Heldenheim, yep, exactly. Um, and I think they it's Manfred and Arkan. Uh, they both join up mm. and uh, get into Heldenheim, uh, get this armor, and then book it back. And to we're glossing over a lot of it, but there really is some nice like character development about the mm-hmm. relationship between Arkan and Manfred. They obviously completely distrust each other. I'm yep. trying to think out like... What's this guy's scheme that he's going to try and pull off? What am I going to do to counter it? Just like working these crazy webs of scheming against each other. Well, there's that. But then, you know, there's this wonderful paragraph where they're just describing how Arkan can read Manfred's mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, it's obvious that the, you know, the vampire didn't know that (laughs) that his thoughts were completely open to Arkan. So... You know, Manfred's busy plotting and Arkan's kind of going, you know, facepalm. He's <laughs> um, like, he's going to try what? All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is is chapter one. I want to kind of push through quite quickly. So Yeah, um, yeah. Chapter two is called The Ritual. Uh, so unsurprisingly, this is all about um, uh, Nagash actually getting raised. Yeah, there's one page in this chapter that just... Got me pretty excited. Oh, yeah. Let's just say the uh, page where Nagash actually rises. It's like there's a double page spread. Yeah. That talks yeah. all about him coming back. Um, so, the one thing to note actually is that the book, like most of the, most of the fluff is written in kind of the normal Warhammer fluff way, like you see in the main rule book, which is kind of, it's not necessarily like a novel, it's more like a history text almost. Yep. But then there's little pat, there's little like side boxes mm-hmm. in the book that are told from a particular person's perspective or written in much more of a kind of novel kind of way. Yep. Giving you insights into a particular person's thoughts. So they're pretty cool. Yeah, I did like that myself. Um so very cool parts in this chapter. Um so the high elves have basically come to try and uh, they've they've come to just like three or four of them um with you know a small contingent um the wood elves have come to try and but it's uh, it's uh eltharion eltharion the grim yeah yeah Yeah. who is a special character in the high elf book Mm -hmm. um on a griffin on a griffin um and uh the wood elves have tried to get there as well at the behest of the ever queen um they get waylaid this is all into sylvania right into sylvania yeah and the dwarfs come and the dwarfs come and they get waylaid they get waylaid by Uh, into beastmen yeah yeah. uh, (laughs) they kind of pull them off into the beastmen and so you got like these five armies converging and the only ones that actually get there are the high elves right 
And uh, so there's this big battle between the high elves and the undead trying to keep the high elves away from, from rescuing Yeah, the all they're really trying to do is just you know, keep the high elves at bay until they raise Nagash. And which then it's which they successfully do. They do. And they also kill Eltharion. Arkan basically just, you know, nukes him. Um, so they sacrifice Eliathra and Volkmar and yeah, whoever else. And Morgiana Le Fay. And boom, back comes Nagash. <laughs> boom. Yeah, pretty much. And then, so this is like my favorite part. So up until this, you've heard, like I said before, Sig, uh, Manfred. Manfred is scheming that Nagash is going to wake up. Are you going to say Sigvald? Sigvald. <laughs> Sigvald. Yeah. I got Sigvald undermined. So he's been scheming that Nagash is going to wake been up and he's going to interject yeah. into this ritual and somehow bend Nagash to his will. And then it ha- the ritual happens and Nagash wakes up and Manfred like perceives the will of Nagash and just realizes he has absolutely no chance he basically craps himself it. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and like nagash just looks at him and says do you serve me and nagash is like yes right. he just falls Manfred, to his knees. yes yep of course yeah um i serve you master yeah so so nagash comes back at the end of chapter two in all of his big hatted glory. Yeah. Wow. He really does have a big hat. In fact, they, <laughs> they all have big hats. Like, Do they? Yeah. If you look at like all the Mortarks, uh, the exception of Manfred. Yeah. Like, Manfred just has a bald scalp. Uh, Neferata has a big hat and a big chin. Arkan has a big hat. Nagash has like the biggest hat because, you know, he's the biggest dude. Mm-hmm. Um, They're yeah. really channeling Chaos Dwarfs here. <laughs> the Chaos Dwarfs have got serious hat envy of all this <laughs> new undead stuff. Oh, um, one other thing that's interesting. So when Nagash comes back, uh, he what he tries to do is he tries to pull the entire wind of, oh, yeah. of Shaiish into himself, which is the, the, the death the magic. Death magic. And because Eli- Eliathra... So he plucks it from the vortex in Ulthran, yeah, right? So yeah, exactly. tries to just bind it to, to his himself. body. Yeah, to become a god. Yeah. Um, hmm. And Does that work? The game, Ricky. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Huh. And the reason is because Eliathra is not pure royalty. She's not pure... Uh, um, it's supposed to all be royal bloodline. Yeah. Royal bloodline, and which the, is descended from a god. Right? Yeah, the Everchild is supposed to be the child of the the phoenix king and, and the, the ever, ever queen. queen but the ever queen's been shacking up with old uh, Tyrion, Tyrion. Yeah. on the sly yeah. <laughs> so she's only half royal blood so it kind yep. of ruins the um, half royal blood half wild oats kind of yeah exactly <laughs> ruins the ritual a little bit so nagash doesn't have his full power no and no. he just can't deal with the whole wind of shyish yeah but what the, what ends up happening is he he tries to soak it in himself he can't and but Whatever he does, he messes with the whole death wind. Um, it it destroys the Amethyst College in the Empire. Right? It, that the, whole thing just shatters. Yeah, the yeah. whole the whole college just crumbles to dust. It says. Really. Um, every death ma- every death wizard just goes mad in yeah. the Empire. Yeah. Because he's Whoa, just like he's cool. just like taken that whole wind of magic, and he couldn't bind it to his body, so he actually binds it into Sylvania. Yeah. Into the land of Sylvania. And so that's what spreads this whole like undead. wave of death yeah. magic through the world that allows everyone to use the law of undeath. And and so what happens from there is mm-hmm. the dead literally from the binding of the wind into the land, they just get up and start walking around there. So you you know normally you have to have a necromancer or a vampire or somebody you know, raise them and bind them. In this case, they just raise all on their own 
and nobody's binding them, so they just kind of wander around. And and so this is a backdrop hmm. for the rest of the battles in the in the rest There's of the book. Dead people walking around. There's dead people walking around, and so Manfred's <laughs> like, "All right, uh, I'm going to take those hundred guys and those eighty guys, and you know, there we go. Whew, there, I got six more legions." Um, and and this happens a, ho- a whole bunch, um, and uh, everybody, all the other wizards, um, start to be able to perceive this kind of new death wind as a result, and this mm. is why um, in the rules. Uh, any wizard can now cast from this lore of undeath. That's really cool. Yeah. That explains it. That explains <laughs> it all. All right. So that was chapter two. Oh, yeah. We burned through that. Yep. Um, chapter three. Chapter three. Death chapter three is my favorite one. Edge. Um, this is the Neferata chapter. Um, so she is she a new character? I've not seen her no, before. She's, she has been at least in the fluff. She's, she's been, been mentioned around. a bit, but I mean, oh, she's yeah. never a... Uh, uh, character in like you couldn't put her on the battlefield. No, before. but yeah. she has been pretty heavily mentioned in like the Tomb King's fluff in particular. Mm-hmm. Right, as, and so she's the first vampire, right? Yeah, and the queen of of fallen Lamia, um, which is you know a city in in um, Nehekara. 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 Um So she lives uh, way up in the World's Edge Mountains, and. Um, She's not particularly welcome in uh, Lamia anymore. I don't think anyone likes she her very much. She has major beef with, uh, with Kalida. Yes, mm-hmm. Kalida. One of them killed the other, right? Or did they both kill each other at I some think point? I think killed Kalida, but didn't, uh, didn't she, fully bind her or something like that. Uh, she, mm. Yeah, and she, she killed a whole bunch of people's families and stuff mm. and, and made some of them into vampires. And yeah, the Tomb Kings in general don't like vampires. No, turns yeah, out so Onagash very much. No, so Neferata, um, she uh, doesn't seem to get on well with anyone. Like she's fairly unaligned in this whole thing. Arkan is about the only one that. Well, Arkan's kind of special uh, across right. the board. And she her her whole deal is she's just like the biggest schemer. Yep. Out of all the great scheming vampires, she is probably the biggest schemer. Yep. And she realizes that you know chaos is coming. Nagash is back. She has history with Nagash. She's not necessarily like his best buddy or anything, but she knows she's going to have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she throws down with Nagash. Yep. Because she has faith that he's going to be able to confront the gods of chaos. Yeah. So, so what she decides to do is um, at some point in the distant past, she discovered this um, big uh, dwarven... Um, hold that was all preserved with a whole bunch of magic items in it. There was, it was all hidden behind runes, and she didn't know how to get past them. And she's just like, "I'm gonna hide this and come back to it later." Mm-hmm. And she knows that she perceives that something powerful. incredibly powerful in there. Yeah, and she also, because she's such a schemer and smart and whatever, she knows that Nagash's ritual is not going to work out as intended because the other child is not. Yeah, she 100%. already knows that. Yeah. So she knows he's going to need some extra source of power, and she also knows that to get into his good book, she's going to need to turn up with some kind of gift. Yep. So this is her plan. This is, is her gift. She's going to allow Nagash to, to consume this, whatever this dwarven Thing. power turns out to be. Yep. So she sets off from her silver pinnacle in the World's Edge Mountains, um, toodles along with a whole pile of undead, um, army gets bigger and bigger as she goes. She has a lot of vamps with her. A lot of vampires. Handmaidens. A lot of girly vampires. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she actually, this is the first we see the undead legion because she has 
her tomb guard, which are from Nahakaya. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, in the uh, in the um, fluff scenarios at the back, this is the first time that the Undead Legion is mentioned. Um, so um, there's two battles in this uh, in this particular uh, chapter, and the first one is where she's um, trying to get through this chasm. And there's a night goblin war boss has spotted them coming. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets together a whole pile of clans. They're going to join. They're on their way to join Skarsnik. They're on their way to join Skarsnik. Yeah. yeah. To join Skarsnik's That's wag, right. Which yeah. is That's a thing. Right. They are. Skarsnik's yeah. wag is, is kicking off. Yep. So um, Grulsik the Great um, is the is the war boss here. And so this was the one piece of the fluff that I did read. Yeah. Course, <laughs> yeah there's night goblins in it. I got to yeah. read that. <laughs> um, and this is, a, this is a cool battle. It is a very cool battle because Neferata definitely like underestimates the goblins. She's like, goblins. She doesn't even see, well. It, the, one of the points they make is you know she commands from the skull from the you know silver pinnacle. She doesn't normally. She's not on the battlefield, right? And here she is in a battle scenario. She doesn't see the the potential for ambush. Yeah, right. So goes down a chasm. Um, where there's caves on either side, and she's like, "Do night goblins like to ambush from caves, Ricky?" Um, yeah, yes, they do. <laughs> That's kind of our thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happens, and uh, she basically pushes through. Um, the goblins all attack. Um, there's a whole bunch of squigs everywhere, and squigs ah, everywhere, and a chimera comes out of nowhere, and um krell is there and um krell basically turns up at the last minute and saves her butt um so krell i think was sent by um uh, was he sent by arkhan at this point i think he was or, yeah just yeah. as kind of a, or maybe by nagash himself yeah because he's mainly nagash's puppet yeah to to just go and you know Rain, rain that bitch in yeah, a little seriously. bit was kind of how it was. Yeah, just see what the deal is. See yep. if she's going to be on our side. Yeah. So um, he saves her butt and the goblins all scatter and off they tromp to the uh, to this dwarven place. Meanwhile, at the at the dwarven place, it turns out this is uh, this spot is called the the gates of Valaya um, because uh Inside and and behind there is actually the remains of the ancestor goddess. Valaya. Yeah, her, her spirit. Soul, yeah, kind of essentially. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Thoric Ironbrow is there, right? So Thoric Ironbrow is a special character in the dwarf book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Master Runesmith or whatever. Yeah, the Anvil of Doom guy, the Lord Runesmith. Yep. Um, and the fluff in this, I think, was really cool. Um, he's there. He's trying to decipher the runes. So he is like independently found this spot as well, and yep. is trying to. He and he has some kind of inkling that it's something to do with the ancestor gods and like something. Yep, could be a great ally to the dwarfs in this time of need. Yeah, and uh, he also spots that there's vampire runes um, on top of the dwarf mm-hmm. runes, trying to hide things. And so he sends off to the local king and says, you know, I found something, send reinforcements. And uh, the good thing he does, because um, shortly afterwards, he's attacked by uh, Kral and Neferata. Yeah. Um, And so they get attacked. Um, So the undead come in while the dwarfs are trying to get through the gates. And um, meanwhile... 
um, the dwarven um, uh, reinforcements are coming. And then the night goblins have all regrouped under Grolsick again, and they yeah, attack yeah, as yeah, well. It's a crazy bad. So through this whole thing, you have uh, Thor, like Thoric in the middle on his anvil, trying to crack these runes, surrounded by some like iron breakers and his yep. anvil guard, like being surrounded by undead. Yep. You've got the dwarf reinforcements kind of smashing in. And they've got gyrocopters and into, uh, hammers into all those undead, and, and then the yeah. goblins just. And if it, you know, if it hadn't been for the goblins, it kind of makes out that this would go the dwarfs' way almost because they're they're doing pretty well. Yeah, very hard to take them down. Yeah, they're being very hardy, and the the goblins just screw them over. Yeah, for sure. Stupid and goblins. Stupid goblins. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Valaya's blessing was on them, right? Isn't that what they said? I have on the dwarfs. Yeah, I have they're goblin all kind of guilt glowing. now. <laughs> <laughs> goblin guilt. It's because your dwarf army's coming on yeah. so nicely. Um, so, in in the scenario for this one that you fight out on the back, it's actually split into two battles. Yeah, it looks mm. like it is. Um, and the first one is is um, you know you're defending the gates um, against the undead attack, so it's dwarf versus undead. And then the next one is it's a triumph and treachery game. Which I oh, thought was kind of cool. That's so, cool. Yeah. yeah, you've got night goblins, you've got undead, and you've got uh, dwarves. So you guys could actually play that battle because you've got those three those three armies, oh, yeah. uh, pretty much. And TNT. So good stuff. Anyway, does Thoric die? Thoric dies. Yeah, Casador dies. Kazador. I don't even want to go on anymore. Gets consumed. Valea is consumed. Does that mean there's no no master rune of Valea anymore? Um, probably yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I I guess after this battle happens, then uh, Neferat. You don't hear about it, but uh, Neferat must lead Nagash here, and then he consumes Valea. Yeah. Yeah, it's briefly mentioned. That's a pretty big blow to the dwarfs. You kill two of their main characters and one of their gods. And you eat a and god. Just yeah. eat a god. Om nom nom. Mmm, tasty. I god. have my theories about how the dwarfs are going to get their revenge before this is done. Oh, yeah? Go on, then. I think, I think Grungli has got to come back, right? If if Valaya is going to be a thing and his essence is there, yeah. then Grungli has got to be around somewhere as well and yeah. he's going to be able to come back or inhabit well, somebody new so far the dwarves are the only army that has not benefited from the end times because mm -hmm. they have no casters mm -hmm. and yep. they haven't been put into a legion so they can't play lore of undeath like everybody else they and because there's no legion for them to join with other casters they're kind of yep kind of screwed they're kind of screwed right now everybody else gets new toys to play with well, you never know they might so, get uh, lumped into the same book as the yeah. chaos dwarfs maybe that'll all be Nicely realigned Chaos again. Chaos Wolves will never get mentioned again by GW, uh, I have a feeling. <laughs> you know what? They're still in the Warriors of Chaos book. Yeah. Little true. handlers for the, the, the Hell Cannons. All right. So chapter three, I really enjoyed the story of that. Um, I don't know if it was written by somebody different um, or just the character was I think the majority of this book has, has smells of Phil Kelly to me. Oh, yeah? I think he wrote most of it. Huh. I'd be oh, surprised yeah. if he didn't. I I can't tell them apart really, um, but uh, it's it was it was very engaging. I love the story. I love the battles. It's probably the best described battle yeah. in the book. Oh, and another note we should we should mention is you know after each battle, um, then you know they they describe the forces beforehand with new artwork, and then after each battle they put photos of the armies, mm. um, you know actually fighting the battles. So 
My favorite part about this reading this whole book was whenever they're fighting the night goblins and I'm looking at the pictures of the night goblin mm -hmm. armies and I'm going, Ricky's night goblins look better than the heavy metal ones. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, oh, shucks. <laughs> no, they, they, and I'm not just saying that. They really do. Like the heavy metal ones are kind of, they're kind of flat. Yeah. You know, and, and they, the bases don't look that suitable for night goblins. Really. Yeah. It's just kind of, you know, turf. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't really look fitting. Yeah. So um, I'm like, oh, they should have, they should have just asked to borrow Ricky's for all these photos. Flown really them really over cool to Nottingham, <laughs> especially to get it. Yeah. Get the photo shoot done. Mm, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Moving on to chapter four. Dark Tides. Dark Tides. This is basically the, to sum it up really quickly, the chaos incursion starts to come down from the north into the empire. The empire fights back. And <laughs> Are you yeah. sure it doesn't strike back? <laughs> I don't know. The empire strikes back, TM. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> And the um, um, Vlad, who is the main undead character in this one, um, comes to the aid of the Empire to stop the chaos incursion. He's been he's been sent by Nagash, basically. So yep. Nagash is Vlad is one of the vampires who's supposed to have been finally dead for good, right? That's yeah. the fluff. There's he there is no the finally dead for good when it comes to the supposed undead. Supposed to be finally dead, yeah. but Nagash just brings him back because he's Nagash and he can do whatever. He just like snaps his fingers. So he brings Vlad back and sends Vlad to kind try and stall the uh, chaos incursion. Yep, yep. So why does he want to stop it? Like why does he? Because care? Nagash is whole. Nagash is not down with chaos, man. He not wants a, a sterile orderly world of the undead yeah everything um, needs to be chaos dead. is just is just entirely against his so he must really view. hate nurgle most of all he hates nurgle most yeah. of all and uh, uh, who's all about creating more creating and more life yeah new the, life this the the whole end times as it's been pitched in this book is chaos versus undead Mm -hmm. That's the with big, the empire stuck in the middle. The empire, well, everybody else is stuck in the middle, really. Um, but that's the big thing. Okay. And and I have a feeling that, um, you know, there that's going to be everybody's focus until then. Then the Skaven get involved, mm -hmm. and then I think the lizard men are probably going to be the like because they it's mentioned right at the very start. They start this huge exodus out mm -hmm. of Lustria. Um, it says like the great plan of the of the old ones has failed, um, so I'm wondering, you know, like the last book of the end times is I don't know what the heck's going to happen. We but, don't know what's going to happen, um, but it's anyway, going to be sweet. It's going to be interesting. But Nagash's whole plan was that he needs to get back before the world is just swamped by empire, by chaos, and he feels like he needs to get the power to to not just crush the chaos invasion, but actually confront the gods of chaos themselves so that he can put uh -huh. a stop to it for good. Yeah, he basically wants to become a god and take down Korn, Nurgle, Zinch, and Slanage. And just replace them all with death. Nagash. Yo, hmm. it's Nagash. Okay, so... Okay. Um, <laughs> Why not? You know, sure. Just kill the gods. This chapter is also amazing. Lots happen. Lot happens oh, in it. Oh, yeah. So much happens. So the first thing is... Um, you know, they talk about how um, Balthazar Gelt, the, um, the what is he called? The Supreme Patriarch of the mm -hmm. Colleges of Magic. Mm -hmm. He put together this really cool barrier around Sylvania, basically keeping everybody in Sylvania inside. Um, and then the next thing that he did was, okay, the, these crazy guys are coming from the north. Kislev is, is gone. 
um, you know, the the Northmen are coming. Let's put up this enormous wall that literally it says it stretches into the clouds. Um, it's completely flat, so they can't actually get over it. They couldn't possibly climb it. And they can't. And this is like the type it. of magic that you know, even for Balthazar Gelt, has been entirely impossible. But because the world is just flooding with magic now, he found he feels like he has the power to do this gargantuan spell. So yeah, he does this, and all along, it's basically every few miles. There's this like ritual circle with um, uh, light wizards, light wizards, and priests. Uh, the the what are they called? The, the oh um, yeah, the warrior priest yeah. types. The Sigmarites. Yeah, the Sigmar cult of Sigmar guys. Um, and, uh, so yeah. it's supposed to be built from a combination of magic and faith. Yeah. Which has never yeah. been possible before. And so the whole idea is that this can keep the demons out because it's, it's, you know, light magic and, and, you know, holy magic all at the same time. Mm. So this is called the Auric Bastion and it's this enormous wall all along the, the border, the Kislev border effectively. Um, how'd that work out for him? <laughs> Pretty good for a while. Good for, for a while. minute. It just required too many people to keep it up. Well, it did. And and so uh, how do we cut? A, I'm going to cut the long story short. Balthazar Gelt basically uh, kind of comes under the influence of Vlad and ends up turning and becoming a necromancer. Um, and, and it's entirely, you know, well, that's not good by degrees as by degrees. And it's all very much. He's convincing himself it's for the right reasons, you know, like conventional magic just wasn't being enough to the emperor is in tides. trouble. Like I got out in trouble. There's all these dead stuff lying around. <laughs> yeah. And he's Vlad like, I just, could use that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and above and beyond that, the changeling is it comes in and basically wreaks havoc. Up the changeling has just been yeah, confusing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they didn't hear that he got shot in the face by Malagor. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your yeah. dirty mouth. Yeah, I guess not. Um, so he changed every... at the very last second. <laughs> he is Malagor. He turned into a fly and flew away. Pretty sure that um, every special character in the Empire book gets mentioned in this chapter. There's a lot. Uh, Kurt Helborg's in there. Mm -hmm. um, the Emperor's in there. Yeah, because they're all just fighting along the Valton is in Valton is, is an old face who's yeah. been rehashed for this book in a slightly different role, kind of. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, who else is in Like, uh, I, I recognized so many names, and I'm not even sure how many of them are still special characters in the Empire. Mm -hmm. um, but a, a lot. Um, and so... This tells the story of, you know, how how the empire keeps the the demons and warriors at bay. Um, there's a big split in the wall at one point, and the, the Nurgle army comes through, and and it literally the wall starts to close back up again because the ritual circle gets powered by Balthazar's magic, and the greater demon gets stuck inside and, <laughs> and <laughs> pops like a yeah. But then, huh. and then later on. Um, after Gelt falls and you know turns to the to the dark side, um, huh. and becomes a necromancer, uh, the all of the priests who were powering the wall say, "Oh, we can't possibly keep powering this. This was built by this, you know, traitorous scum." Yeah. So the empire kind of dumb. Yeah. Like if they kept the wall and just let Balthazar be a necromancer, it would be sweet, and the empire would have been saved. But they're all like, "This is against our faith." 
like kill the witch kind of thing. You know, they love yep. killing the witch in the empire. Exactly. And so um, the Orc Bastion um, collapses and, and the... Uh, uh, the Nurglings come through. The demons and the warriors were all able to... So even at this him. stage, even before the Glockkin book, it's the majority of the Chaos Army seems to be Nurgle. Mm-hmm. Because Nurgle seem, You know, like you were saying, Nurgle mm-hmm. and death are kind of opposites. So Nurgle is the one who's taking the, the most affront to the kind of rise of death and Nagash. Yeah, and I think... Which is funny that Nurgle can cast death. Yeah, exactly. It is a bit weird. Yeah. Some of the fluff is mixed up, I yeah. think. Well, like, also, though, um, I think all the, a lot of the corn stuff is mentioned is coming down into Nagaroth. And, that's uh, true. On that side corn of the world, like Valia, yeah. is it Valia? Valkia. Valkia um, is leading that charge down there. And Valkia cool. the bloody. Yeah, and it's then Zinch, Zinch sends the changeling in to just basically go nuts in behind <laughs> Empire borders. Yeah. Um, call friends. Let's go play. Um, <laughs> Call Franz almost dies. Yeah. Um, you know, he falls from the sky. So one of Vlad's kind of buddies, Wallach Harkon, yep. who's the Lord of the Blood Knights, I guess. Yep. He gets uh he uh he gets get tempted by, by corn. Yep. Uh and turns to chaos, yeah, and he fights Carl Franz in some kind of aerial duel because he's on his zombie dragon and Carl Franz is on the Deathclaw. On Deathclaw. And it just says Carl Franz is, you know, outmatched. He's a good fighter and a great emperor, but he's just not not a match yet. Chaos vampire. Chaos vampire (laughs) on a dragon. So he gets smote down from the air and like crashes and and you don't know what's happened to him for a little while. Then later it says he's like this man comes and rescues the griffin and off they go. And so you know he's he's still there. And then there's this um, cool bit where Wallach Harkin is like, all right, now I kill Carl Franz and I'm just going to go and kill Vlad. And yeah. he starts like fighting with Vlad. And Vlad's like, oh, crap, this guy's a better fighter than me. But I'm freaking awesome. So he just like gets into the mind of the zombie dragon and causes the zombie dragon to eat yeah. his mount. Dominate, dominates like, the zombie Vlad dragon. Vlad isn't as good a fighter, but he just has the strongest will. Yeah. He can like control anybody. Whoa. Uh, that was pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, a backdrop of all of this is the, uh, the Valton character. He starts off as kind of like this smith, um, you know, from the backwaters. And, and people see him as kind of blessed by Sigmar. And, uh, you know, he's becoming more and more um, popular and, um, you know, glowing with a, a holy light kind of thing. So he's kind of perceived as a herald of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Um, they give him Galmaraz. Yep, they give him Galmaraz. And, and uh, just say, go nuts. Yeah, and he does. He kills a greater demon, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so um, basically you can summarize this chapter as um, they they defend, they defend, they defend, then the wall falls and they're screwed. <laughs> Pretty much. Carl Franz is suspected dead. Yeah. By the end of the chapter, and uh, yeah. yeah, and there's a great big gash in this wall, and everything's just pouring through. So they just kind of fall back, right? Yep. Yep. <clears throat> fall exactly. back into the empire. Um, 
The funniest picture, I've got it right here in front of me, um, is actually Valton fighting off the Great Unclean One. And you see how bad the Great Unclean One yeah. model still looks like. <laughs> with the professional paint job. Even, and, yeah, uh, he's so yeah. small. Photography. And they just can't make it yeah. good. You know, he's only head and shoulders bigger than a, than a plague drone. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at, there's a terror geist in the background. You're like, really? A terror geist looks like it could eat the Great Unclean One. Mm-hmm. Um in one bite. In one bite, yeah. Terror guys get mentioned quite a bit, actually. And mm-hmm. in fact, they go the whole gamut of everything in the Undead book. It's yeah, all the Undead books get mentioned at some point. So I don't know if it's at this point, but there's the final fall from grace of uh, Balthazar Gelt. He kind of suspects that there's been some imposter, like like we said, the changeling has very much infiltrated the Empire. Yeah. And um, he thinks it's Valton. He thinks it's Valton, yeah. Balthazar Gelt thinks it's Volton, yeah. and there's some great ceremony where they're like, I think bestowing Galmaraz on him or raising yeah. him to some and new, po- some new post. Te- yeah. And uh, and Balthazar Gelt decides he needs to kill Valton and raises this huge undead army in the middle of an empire city while there's yeah. this like ceremony going on to yeah. try and kill Valton. And, every- and everybody's and then, like, whoa, what? You just did what now? Yeah. So they like Valton and the those dudes kill that army, and then yeah. it turns out. The changeling was somebody very close to Valton and was yeah. there also trying to kill Valton. Yeah. So like the distraction actually helped save Valton's life. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody's like, "All right, screw you, Gelt." Yeah, but the changeling, um, Ludwig Schwartzel. Like Balthasar Gelt, anyways. Yeah. Give uh, who who wears a mask in public? Yeah. <laughs> Ludwig Schwartzel uh, kills the changeling. Um, although with him being a demon, he's probably just going to come back. What a thought. Um. Yeah, so it's just like uh, he resets him. Yeah, he's just gone back to the chaos. <laughs> he has to start at the beginning of the level again. Yeah, bloop, and then he's going to respawn. So at the end of this chapter, we discover that Carl Franz is not actually dead. Not dead, dead. Um, he was very badly wounded, and he kind of creeps through the chaos war camp and uh, finds Deathclaw and makes his escape to somewhere. Was to somewhere like? Deathclaw was being like tortured by the chaos. Oh, sweet! That's gonna yeah. unhinge him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was chapter four. All right, um, and then the final chapter, I actually think is is although it's the culmination of everything that's going on, it's kind of the weakest chapter. Yeah, it's the climax, but a, a letdown at the same it, time. It is a bit of a letdown. I think partially because it's it's so long and it's all. Undead versus it's undead. all undead, so there's not really any interesting characters to develop. It's just no. kind of more tomb kings are fighting against. Yeah. So. so effectively, there's a three pronged attack into into Camry. Um, so the backdrop for this is that Nagash, for his to, for his final ascendance to godlike power, needs to get into the black his black pyramid in Camry. Yep. The black pyramid of Nagash, and he needs to like absorb all of the energy that he's planted there in the past and yep. to make his ascendancy. But obviously Setra is not going to be best pleased to just let Nagash wander in. Exactly. So he puts up this big black cloud of, of uh, uh, stuff <laughs> that covers the whole, <laughs> the whole of Nehekara. Who does this? And Nagash. Nagash. Nagash yeah. Okay. And it's like, oh, he's just blotting out the sun. Um, but it turns out, no, this is the stuff that he's using to feed his black pyramid. Um, so that when he gets in there and sits in his little chair, or gets, <laughs> little chair, he says, "Well, he has this little ritual, right? It's a, 
<laughs> Imagine like a walking chair <laughs> with, with a little afghan on it for me. Just put that over my lap, <laughs> Mr. Bigglesworth. This is what uh, it's all about. Archon T. Anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, back in Camry. Um, oh yeah. So so he's he's sent up this big black cloud, and then he he's he's basically going to absorb all of this energy in a big ritual in his black pyramid. The tricky part is how does he get in there, right? Um, so Setra, Set, how does he get past Setra? Okay. Setra's there the whole night. Like literally, the start of this chapter is kind of cool. Uh, it's like all the lich, lich priests, lich priests are all sent instructions. Lychee priests. Lychee priests. Mmm, <laughs> tasty. <laughs> Um, are sent the word to to you know uh, waken the tomb kings and their armies. And it's like, well, which ones? All of them. Um, so the entirety of the nation is is awoken and brought hmm. brought in. So um, I'm going to try and summarize it real quick. Yeah, let's do this one quick. There, there's a <laughs> there's a three prong attack. One is Neferata goes to Lamia and distracts the crap out of everyone who hates her. So they all rush off to Lamia to try and kill Neferata, which we- okay. weakens the main force. Okay. Krell leads a hammer blow of, you know, basically tons of skeletons straight into into uh, Nehekara. And that's where, you know, most of the um, fighting is done to try and keep them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Manfred takes like a whole bunch of fast moving troops and meets up with um, Luthor. Um, Harkon, is that his name? The pirate? The pirate king. The, the pirate, yeah. the vampire pirate guy. Oh, and cool. so the fast moving guys and the sea guys kind of come down the river. Do the old reach around. Do the old reach around, yep. <laughs> uh, run it, run it. Krell plows down the center. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And uh, yeah, meanwhile, Neferata's watching. And, uh, <laughs> and wow, you can tell it's late at night. They, they, um, they run into the the fleet of Setra as well, and so eventually everybody gets to um, they Camry. get to Camry. Arkan is there with Corral, and uh, um, Setra is like, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do. If we capture any of the Mortarks, we're gonna um, un- do this ritual of unbinding, um, so that they can never ever be raised ever again." So uh, Arkan the Black uh, goes in, fights Setra. Setra kills him, cuts him in half, ties the two halves to the back of his chariot, rides it into the city, gives it to his his lich priest, and says, "Okay, go do that ritual. Do I'm going. Ritual. I'm going to go Just back out. Completely and ki- incinerates yeah. his soul so that he can never. I'm never going return. back out. Meanwhile, Nagash has turned the lich priest to his side. Oh, Nagash, yeah, the lich yeah. priest who was supposed to be performing that ritual, Nagash has gotten into the head. Nagash has also bound his will." Into Arkan the body, yeah. So by killing Arkan and dragging him in, they've brought Nagash Nagash into into Camry. Into Camry, and that was the coolest part of the whole chapter. They bring him inside, and the lich priest, you know, that's dirty. Does his ritual, and then boom, Nagash is super powerful again. So then Nagash goes into the underworld and starts fighting um, Osiris or whatever they whatever that god of the underworld. They're god of the undead, Uh, yeah. So the way that the tomb kings raise people, they they bring their souls back and put you know infuse them into the bones. Uh-huh. Um, he stops that from being able to happen um, by so, by kicking the butt of the uh, of the, the god, god of, of the, the undead. Yeah. Oh wow. And yeah, you know, the god of the underworld. And then 
And then so that stops Setra's um, magical brooch from from protecting him because it was always the god of the of the underworld saying, "Okay, Setra, you're going back to life again. You're going back to life." And it means again. that his armies who are fighting against the vampire armies just can't they come can't, back. They can't be raised anymore. Yep, they're all reading so. their scrolls, going, "Okay, back you come, get oh." So it just turns the whole tide of battle because until yep. then the the tomb kings were just wrecking shop. Yep, and then and then Nagash goes and kills Setra. And or he chops him up into bits, mm-hmm. and he can't reform because uh, Osarius mm-hmm. is is dead or defeated. Um, he, just, he just poofs him into he poofs him. It. He, Well, no, but what? There's this great last page. Oh, oh yeah, I read the last last page. Yeah, yeah but like before the last, the last page, there's this awesome bit where uh, so Nagash has just got. Uh, he has Setra floating in midair in front of him because Nagash is that massive awesome. and awesome. Toying with and him. he's just like, I've humbled you, Setra, proudest of kings, but now I offer you honor. Bow before me and you will be one of my Mortarks. And Setra says, Setra does not serve, Setra rules. And then Nagash just evaporates <laughs> him. Yeah. Setra rules! Good for him. <laughs> yeah. And then Nagash jumps go. into the pyramid and flies off. Yeah, that t- lifts the whole pyramid right yeah. out of Camry and, you know, buggers off Stargate style in this pyramid. And but then the very last page is actually one of my favorite bits of the whole book, the very last page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Tom. It's just, um, yeah, it's like that, you know, Setra has been essentially evaporated, but his will is just kind of still floating there on the breeze. And then he hears like four voices whispering to him on the wind, which is obviously the chaos gods. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying we, we can rebuild you. Yeah. He's pretty <laughs> depressed because he thinks he's just been entirely like destroyed and defeated. And the, the voices say the battle is only over. If you wish it, you can be king again, etc. And, uh, and they stitch him back together and it, he stands well, up. leaves it there and it sets the scene <laughs> for maybe Pretty he'll come back as like a, was this some tomb trick? king of chaos? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's there it. you go. That's the the fluff book in a in I don't know how long that took us. It's not really a nutshell, but it was, it was about an hour, I think. An hour, it's man. Yeah, it's not a too whole bad pile to get through of nutshells. Three hundred three hundred pages. In a, in I don't nutshells. know why I bothered reading the book. I should have just sat down. And <laughs> <for a while. laughs> that was my plan all along. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend reading the book. The, yeah, I, I really to. enjoyed it's it. It's just really good stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, sometimes with the, we read the Games Workshop stuff, it's a little dry. But I think the way that they did this, they 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 have the narrative. They have the, no, the like the little story snippets that are like novel style. And then they have the battle descriptions and the photographs. And the, the pace of all of that just keeps you reading. You know, every single thing is like, oh, that's really interesting, and I want to see what happens next. And I think so, that's something they must have been working on for a while, because I've noticed a lot of the newer so, books yeah. are, are starting to come that way. So if you're only interested in the orcs and goblins, you can you skip to the chapter, and you don't have to, you know, like a novel, you don't have to say, oh, let me turn to page 97 and, yeah. and try and pick up on where I'm at. Yeah. But it worked really, I mean, it was the same for me. I could read it at 10 minutes at a time. You know, I didn't have to delve into it for an hour, and I could read something, you know, a week later, come right back to it, and I didn't feel like I had to catch back up. Yeah. Um, so it was it was great in that regard. Yeah. Good light reading. The art of war. Book two, or the set? What is it? Does it say part two on the book, or what does it's it say on two. the front? Two. Nagash book, book two. Yeah, Nagash okay. Book two. So Nagash book, book two. two of part one of the end times. Yes. 
yeah. Okay. So that book um, has uh, about a hundred pages of of scenarios and rules and so forth in it. And uh, I just mentioned the scenarios briefly. There's there's nineteen of them, um, which is is a pretty hefty amount to cover. You know, all of the major battles that are mentioned. Wow. In I didn't the, even count them. I didn't know there was 19. that many. Yeah. Um, all the major battles that are in the uh, in the story, and um, some of them I think are really interesting. Um, I mentioned earlier one of them is a triumph and treachery battle. Um, another one is you know yeah there's a couple of them where you have to take allies of empire and undead against chaos, um, and all of them are like you know here's the characters you have to have and here's how you have to put your armies together, um, here's how you lay out the battlefield, and they're all quite in depth. I think there's a lot of interesting ideas to be picked out of there for scenarios in your own games, even if you don't play the actual historical ones. Historical. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, it happened. It, it happened in the really real world. Um, so I, I, I quite liked it. I actually read through all of them. Um, um, some are really neat. And they have a bunch of rules around um, playing in those scenarios. So there's two there's two main um, sets of rules um, for fighting the scenarios. One is about underground fighting. Um, and I think there's about seven or eight special rules that can apply to that. Um, uh, cave squigs and trolls can come wandering in. Uh, there can be cave-ins. Um, stalactites can be falling from the ceiling. Uh, doom and glooms, so you can't really see much and can't see very far. Long range is basically six inches. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of interesting stuff that you know starts to make it feel like you are actually fighting underground, uh, which I really liked. So um, uh, I think you know great for some thematic battles if you're fighting uh, at home. Also interesting if you know you want to put together a thematic round in a in a tournament. You know take some of these special rules. Um, mm. Nothing. Uh, crazy or you know game changing or you know anything that we wouldn't see in at a sparkle party for instance so <laughs> wow. um, uh, and then the other set of rules um was around um these haunted battlefields um which have a whole bunch of you know uh, bonuses for undead and, and interesting undead things happening um so um makes a lot of sense given the background the backdrop for you know all of the battles that happen throughout the books um some interesting stuff to be to be gleaned from there but really the interesting part and what we really want to go into are the are the new rules so new warhammer rules the biggest ones um uh is of course the the army composition rules armies of the end times yeah well oh, yeah. yes it started as armies of the end times um but as we alluded to earlier so, uh was faq'd or added it to the errata should say of the official warhammer book official yeah. warhammer errata you now have lords at 50 percent, heroes at 50 percent, and um the lore of undeath is available to any wizard um, and when they're generating this so just talk a little bit about how 50% lords and heroes changes armies that that might be seen on the table yeah so yeah let's let's talk about that um, i mean the the first thing is it actually allows you to field things like nagash mm -hmm. um and the mortarks yeah. which are too costly otherwise 
Um, for a lot of armies, it doesn't really seem to change much because you're not maxing out those allowances anyway in a lot of occasions. Yeah, I think and, for um, most people who already have armies and have kind of balanced them out already, it's probably not going to change a whole lot. They right. might add one or two more items that they just couldn't quite fit in. Yeah. But I think what it really does is liberate new players because it's, it's easy to fill up a character, make a real expensive character to eat up a bunch of points and play a bigger game against mm -hmm. your buddy who has a full army. Yeah. And it's also more economical to buy one character model and load that thing up and, you know, or buy three or four character lords and, oh, look, all of a sudden I have a thousand points of an army. Yep. And, um, you know. Very quickly, you can you can paint up a couple of core units. Mm -hmm. You know, you still you have to have three units yeah. uh, minimum plus characters, yeah. but but you know you can now do that and get to fifteen hundred points easily. Yeah. yeah, and I think I really appreciate it for that, and I think yeah. it's a good way for people who are starting out to pad points. And so, I think everybody can kind of agree that you know, character you know character heavy lists tend to not do very well. With a few exceptions, in all, yeah, with yeah. a few exceptions in in an all comers environment. So, um, I don't think it really changes that much for most armies. So. I think I think you will start seeing a lot more characters, if nothing else, because mm -hmm. it just allows you. You know, you're no yeah. longer for for like the the scheme, and I'm no longer. It's not either just a you know a gray mm -hmm. seer and a lord. Now I can take some other things in addition to that. Yeah, or I can take a screaming bell and still take a a warlord or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are going to start experimenting with that. Yeah, people will do it just for the hell of it. I know. Oh, I'm yeah. planning to just yeah. experiment and see yeah, what can be done. For sure. There's yeah. a few armies that definitely benefit from it, like Dark Elves. Like, how many masters can you squeeze in a list? <laughs> you know, there's no there's no such thing as too many. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and at the same time, um, you can't protect that many characters. Um, you can give them all one-up armor, which is a pretty good start. <clears throat> but one-up armor, you know, has a very is, has a whole lore dedicated to defeating it. Sure. Right? You know, um, and all type uh, of war machine dedicated to shooting them down. Well, yeah, all war machines. Right? Yeah, yeah. The bolt throwers are cheap and ignore armor saves. Yep. And then above and beyond that, uh, you could argue that you can, you know, put all the characters in a unit and hide them behind something like the banner of the world dragon or. Um, the the ogre one that forces you to redirect the mm -hmm, spell mm -hmm. stuff like that but um you know there's you know for banner of the world dragon there's some of the big spells um that you know you don't get a word save against like right. dwellers below and so forth um so i i think um i think you're right i think it's going to encourage people to experiment with builds different builds um i for sure expect to see double demon prince builds from warriors of chaos <laughs> Um, double star dragon builds from high elves. That's fun though. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see cool two to star see. dragons yeah. on the table. That yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, and and I, you know, I think there'll be a, a lot of interesting stuff that people will be able to field. I still think that if you have more than fifty percent of your allocation in characters, you're probably going to find that your army's unbalanced. You know, um, you just don't have all the tools. You don't have all the game. tools, and especially you know, in modern in modern tournament play, we have so many scenarios where you have to have units that can hold objectives. You have to have a fortitude. You know, you have to um, be able to maneuver. You know, um, I I think I think so. So many characters get very vulnerable, especially to like death magic and you know stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I don't. What about you, Tommy? Are you going to change any of your army lists with 
50% allowance? Um, my Chaos Dwarf list doesn't change at all. Actually, I, I revise my Chaos Dwarf list, and I just go, like, f add an extra tiny bit more to my hero's allowance and put a second Khan in there on a wolf. Um, so I think I get up to, like, 650 points in heroes. So tiny little change, nothing major. It just doesn't. Oh, your your Toruk is in the heroes, is the he? The Toruk is in heroes. I have a level one wizard in heroes. And your BSB. BSB and then two cons on wolves. Yeah. So Chaos Dwarfs have a pretty stacked hero yeah. section. Lords, we only have one lord you you take. So yeah. there's no reason to ever take two sorcerer prophets. So that doesn't change at all. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that list doesn't really change at all. My beast men, who we'll probably talk about next time when we talk about Legions of Chaos... They're going to become awesome, full of Chaos Warrior characters. <laughs> so with them, I'll probably like just, like we said, experiment and max out the characters a little bit, throw Glockin in there and, yeah. mm. and a Chaos Lord. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, the limitation of magic items to really kit characters out is what's going to yeah. really enforce <clears throat> that there's only going to be certain types of builds you can do. But with these mixed army books and you get, yeah, you get um, access to a lot of different items. There. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, you know, I was thinking about this for sparkle party. Um, I, you know, I've been toying with taking the wood elves. I'm like, okay, I have, uh, I have 16 dryads. Uh, there is no branch wraith model, so what if I just take sixteen branch wraiths <laughs> instead? There we go. I got a unit of branch wraiths. Every single one of them is a level one life wizard. Yes. Oh my gosh, that'd uh -huh. be fun. Yeah, sixteen. I got sixteen, 16 channel dice. Yeah, do it. Um, one of them goes down the hole, or you know that one where all of your casters take a strength. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no. um, Oops! Oh, you God. just killed all your trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know how many points is that. What's 16 times 675? Uh, 1,200 points. In, there you go. Uh, yeah, You're halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. One unit. Um, yeah, that's hysterical. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty funny. Um, I'd love to try it out just for, for giggles. Yeah. Um, but seriously, no, I, don't, I can't see. I can see it. It's being, uh, I think we talked about this in the last episode, people squeezing in, you know, going over that 600-point allowance in a 2,400-point game to get that you know, certain Lord build or certain hero build that they want. Um, but that's, that's about, that's about it. It means there's some yeah. special characters that'll finally see the table. Thorgrim. Thorgrim, mm. Mazdamundi maybe. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, there's been rumors of him coming in, uh, the end times, you know, so. Yeah. I plan on just dropping. It's, it's basically just going to be moving all the points that I was putting into heroes and in, straight into the Lords. And it's not even going to change the overall, you're not just going to drop a unit of 30 great weapon bosses on the table? No. <laughs> the elite no. goblin infantry? <laughs> no. It, it, would be, it would be cool, but I, there's no models for it, and I don't want to convert that many. So. <laughs> that many great <laughs> weapon goblins. Fair. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, I don't see myself. I, I do want to do I – I think it would be fun to do just one game, maybe two level fours on um, uh, Little Wah, and a level four with on death and just throw out tons of magic yep. with lots of goblin dice going everywhere because the night goblins get to throw the magic mushrooms with on death so yeah. they can mm -hmm. let's uh let's actually segue right into that so this is the lore other of undeath. the other rules that were introduced is the lore of undeath and it's it's part of the main warhammer fantasy rules now too 
introduce a new spell type called a summoning spell. Um, so this is um, a way to bring new units onto the battlefield. So up until this point, um, the various, um, both both the vampire counts and the tomb kings had a way to um, bring back uh, or, or to create units. Um, I think for for vampires, it was mostly zombies. Um, could you do skeletons as well, or is it just you can zombies? do skeleton warriors? Um, yeah. But only if you took master of the dead could you start making larger units than uh, starting. Yeah. Like what mm -hmm. the zombies can do. Yeah. So, and so. Um, with the the Tomb Kings, I'm, I'm not sure about how exactly that worked. I'm not sure if they could just raise new units or if they could only just heal back their own. Um, either way, the whole idea behind the summoning spells is um, basically you can you can plunk down a brand new unit. There's a point limit. Um, it tells type. you, yep, it tells you in the spell, um, you know, what the point limit is, what the type of unit is that you can summon um and the lore of undeath where yeah where they can be um what range and so forth so lore of undeath has um i think four summoning spells is it four yeah. summoning spells including the signature yeah yeah yep. and then an augment or two augments and two uh, augments. and a hex and a direct damage is it direct damage yeah all right so um it's a it's an interesting lore the big thing about it is that um the any wizard can take it any wizard can take it you know so like you said uh, dwarfs still don't benefit but you know all chaos of the dwarfs uh, do. Yeah. chaos dwarfs do yep yeah um <laughs> nobody likes you tom can i bring my chaos dwarfs in my legion of chaos wiki to sparkle party i don't know yeah i'll take that we'll think again. about it <laughs> <laughs> how much are you gonna pay me <laughs> <laughs> So half of all the prizes I win. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do we think about the the lore? Um, Jesse, you've probably had the most exposure to it because you've been playing with Nagash. So Jesse has yep. experience with it. With well, I've, Nagash, I've, got a, I've got a ton of experience with it. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, for Nagash, it's interesting because I, for the first time, I came, I came, the realization I don't have nearly enough vampire count models <laughs> and after buying 140 skeletons and 10 spirit hosts i thought i had that uh, pretty well covered but the, the points Nagash, the points for nagash the special rule allows you to actually triple uh, the point value and the range of the spells Which and is... so i was finding myself dropping you know 225 point swarms of uh, spirit hosts I think the cavalry oh. allows a 450 point. So why don't we uh, just go through the spells unit? quickly and you can say what yeah. are your favorite things to summon with yeah. that points mm -hmm. allowance. Yeah, and the signature spell I think is what most people are going to take and that's just for your uh, basic infantry. Yeah, so Rise um, the Grave Call is mm, the signature spell. It's, it's 50 points um, you know, for, for a normal caster unless they want to bump it up. Then I think it goes to 150. Yeah, it's with 50, 100, and 150. 150. On a 9 uh, up, 14 up, and 16 mm -hmm. up to cast. Yep. In order. And then the other thing to, to remember, too, is this, the, the signature, the, uh, the uh, what would you lore, call? Attribute. lore attribute allows you to start taking tokens. So the more you summon, mm -hmm. um, and then if you successfully cast one Every of time augments, you cast a spell, you get a token. You can mm -hmm. spend those tokens for an extra 10 points yep. later on, or for Nagash, an extra 30 points. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Nagash, uh, you don't even need them. So, we've, so on a 9 up, so Nagash is a level 5 wizard. Yeah. On a nine up, 
So on four on the dice, he's getting 150, 150 points. points. Uh, what do you like to bring for your 150 points? I've, I've, been, ex I've been experimenting with it. It's, it's been kind of nice because I, I don't normally field Graveguard. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a great opportunity to just drop down you know, giant bricks or giant blocks of Graveguard and, and kind of see how they fare. The other bonus is once you summon something, of course, it doesn't count for victory points. So you can right. start throwing these 400-point you know, units down. You can down just be and, very cavalier with and them. And if they die, you know, say la vie. But, um, how many uh, how many Graveguard do you get for 200 points? I don't oh know what the points cost they're, of them. They're 11, they're 11 stock. Um, so even at 200 points, you're summoning almost 20 of them. Uh, that's pretty good. 12 with a great weapon. Yeah. So that's an interesting part is that you can you can summon the unit with any of the upgrades that it can yeah, have. The upgrades, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Graveguard can take a magic standard. Um, so guys can actually summon Graveguard and throw Banner of the Barrows in there or something else, which is just ridiculous. And the characters can come on with magic items. Mm -hmm. As long as it's part of their allotment. So you can you can, you can can have some really powerful builds that you can already have kind of pre-planned huh. and uh, actually kind of build your strategy. It's very toolboxy. Mm -hmm. It is tool. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. So, um, but so so here's the other question, and I don't know if, if you can answer this. Do you need to have Nagash to really benefit from this? Uh, I've been I've been spoiled by using him, so I'd say yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously dropping 450 points of cavalry is a lot more alluring than 150 <laughs> yeah. points. Well, the other side uh, of it is, you know, on a nine up, you 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 drop uh, 50 points of a redirector. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I think. A, a big part of the utility is for a, for a non-Nagash caster using it is you're getting small redirecting units, basically. Mm -hmm. Whereas Nagash is summoning you're like summoning an army to army. fight. Yeah. Um, other armies can summon just kind of smaller utility units. Yeah. So there's no doubt that this is a great law with Nagash. I'm still questioning whether it makes sense as a law to bring with anything other than Nagash. It's definitely Fool. Yeah. you think yeah i think it's well i think for night goblins for night for sure. goblins yeah yeah you've got some of the cheapest level four casters <laughs> in the game yep and you get an additional dice to cast pretty much all of your spells and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that's it if you're going to use it i think you need a level four yeah um, i would I only first, take it with a level when four. i first started taking the gash course he's got nine spells to choose from so i figured oh i just need one or two in undeath i'll be fine i'll get what i want but you know, mm -hmm. missing missing one of those summon spells and getting some of the augment spells. Yeah, um, which you know, you really good. you really need to be able to kind of stock up on that lore and dedicate your uh, caster to it. So a normal level four wizard, not Nagash, just a normal level four should be able to get three of the summon spells pretty mm -hmm. uh, reliably, because mm -hmm. numbers four, five, and six are all summons. So you should be rolling two out of the three of those on average, and then swap one of the others for rise and you should yeah you should end up with three summon spells which is pretty good yeah and i, I made a little list of some things that i think would be very <laughs> useful to bring for not for just non-nagash lists so before we go into that i'm just going to run through the spells. yeah real just quick. real quick yeah so we <clears> talked <throat> about rise which is the the um signature signature spell so then we've got um Morkhan, the breath of darkness <laughs> uh which is an augment that regains your wounds it's a terrible uh, it spell. You, it gives you an extra, and this is another one that gives you kind of a free march also. Gives you a free march, um, which yeah, is really, Which is really is. all I think it's really good ah, for. On a 6-up, so it's useful for the march. Is this a very similar to Van Hel's? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Only, except only you can't heal characters with it. It's D3 plus wound instead of uh, spellcasters. Okay. Okay, so similar in function, um, and it's the number one spell, and those mm -hmm. are traditionally but quite. But for a six up cast, for a six up, yeah, yeah, and then you, and then you get your, you know, yeah, and you also get your uh, lower attribute mm -hmm. counter, right, which can be helpful. 
Um, so then another uh, next one is Sulakim, the Hand of Dust. So this is an augment that you cast upon the Wizard of Self. Um, he can exchange all of his attacks to make a single Hand of Dust attack. Um, if he hits, the target suffers a wound with multiple wounds, D6, special rule, and no armor saves allowed. Um, and if you slay an enemy character in a challenge with that, you get an extra D6 raise the dead counters. Whoa. You know, that is mm. that is not terrible. If it's you, not terrible for most wizards because most wizards suck in combat. And suck in help. combat. For Nagash, yeah. it sucks because yeah. you'd much rather just make his just seven attacks people with, with it. Yeah. the D3 wound sword. Yeah. Um, but for a normal wizard, yeah, it's a pretty decent attack. Yeah, somebody that only has one attack anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then we have uh, Kizar, the Soul Stealer. Direct damage spell. Um, kind of similar. It's a scream, basically. It's a, it's a banshee yeah. scream. It yeah. is a banshee scream, yeah. Um, and again, um, if you cause wounds, you get extra raise the dead counters. Um, and then the last three uh, summon um, swarms, war beasts, and monstrous beasts for, for Razkar. You can summon a character, monster, chariot, or war machine um, with Kandarak. Kandarak. And then Arkararan uh, <laughs> allows you to summon cavalry, monstrous cavalry, or chariots. Up to 150 points. Yeah, so that's the one where Nagash is bringing 450 mm. points of cavalry onto the table, which is terrifying. Yeah, or, you know, if he's doing Kandarak and he does the boosted version, um, that gets you a monster, chariot, or war machine up to 200 points. So that's 600, 600. for him. Mm. But you can't, there's not really much over 200. I mean, it lets yeah, you bring a terror geist, but that's... Camerick Titan and stuff, right? Those things out of the, um, the big, the big, uh, Tomb King things are all. Yeah. But the rules for the spells all say they have the summoning spells. All they have, have to, to be come from, from the undead legion. Book, so you can't. Right. Um, so maybe not, sorry, the Camerick mm. Titan's actually from, uh, you mean Forge the Sphinx. Sphinx. there's the, the, the Sphinx. There's the, um, yeah, most of that stuff is castable just by a regular person well, with a couple of tokens thrown in as well. So on. Nagash isn't getting that much bonus. So Kandarak, one second, allows you to summon a monster. Uh huh. Um, so if you look at um, uh, Manfred, for example, and yep. when we come to him, you he is a monster. Guys, yeah. This is the whole argument we had, though, and you said that I couldn't do it. I, we, I don't know we if you can or not. Because right. I said I would use... Like, for example, Akaran to just build, bring a vampire on a mount. And it was... You well, know, so here's said, the thing. If it's cool. a vampire on a mount... Then it's troop-type cavalry. It's troop... Well, it's troop-type cavalry, mm -hmm. but it's a character that you're paying the upgrade for. So it, it would... In in my mind, that would need the one where you can summon a character. But wh why would you why would you be able to cast Manfred for a monster then? Because his troop, his type, troop monster? type is monster only. Yeah, but a vampire. His, his troop type is monster bracket mm. special character. Yes, but a vampire, a vampire is, is on a mount. Troop, but his his troop type in the in the army entry is infantry. But as soon as he's on a on a mount, his and you troop bring type the upgrade. Character. So if you summon him on a horse, then he's troop-type cavalry. Yeah, I don't know. So this is the argument. I mean, if if you can actually do it, like you said, then that spell becomes awesome because you can summon Manfred. Well, I mean, on a 24-plus, and you need to be Nagash to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you need to have undead count. You need to have the Raise the Dead counters on top of that, right? 
yeah, couple, yeah, one or two. It's uh, it's you not it's non-trivial. I think you should be able to, but net crisp on a wall sphinx. You'd have to really, really dislike kind of your well, opponent no, because, to go to that extreme. So you, I don't think you can do that. That becomes troop type monster, mm-hmm. just the same no, as Manfred. W- is it? Yeah, as soon as you're on a monster, you're troop type monster. Okay, that's right. You're right. It is treated as a monster. So I don't know. So it kind of needs a ruling, I think. But it. I don't know how to. Well, play it. it the, but that's the thing. It's the it's the same spell to summon a character and a monster. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter then, does it? Well, because the low casting is supposed to be a character and the high casting is supposed to be a monster or chariot or war machine. Yeah. So the question is, can you use the high casting, which is supposed to be a monster, chariot, or war machine, to bring a character who is just on a monster, chariot, or war machine? Mm-hmm. I would say yes, then. Cool. I'm down with that. Yeah, because yeah. ma- that makes sense, then, because it's the same spell. So you can get... And the thing is, is Nagash, you know, triple the 65 points, he still can get some of the big guys in there. Yeah. Especially yeah. if he has tokens up. Jeez. But um yeah, for sure he could summon you know, on a twenty four casting, summoning one of the Mortarks that, that seems pretty, pretty awesome. Six hundred fifty points, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Who's also, also a level four caster on top of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it if somebody can make it happen. <laughs> I I mean I think it would be it'd be so epic in the game if you could actually get it off, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's one of those cuz even, even even if you well, I mean even if you six dice something, you're still only probably like a one in four chance of making it actually happen. With the gash? Yeah. Nah. Let's On a 24 again. casting cost? Uh-huh. Yeah. So he needs 19 on the dice on six dice. Better than average. Oh, I guess so, yeah, 19. Better than average, and if you put the higher rotating in there. Yeah, and yeah. all the other little tricks that you can do. All with the little the, tricks yeah. to help the boosting. Yeah. Yeah, you can make it pretty likely to get... That's true. To get Manfred on the table. Just got to make sure you Jesse. have that Just model ready to go the there, model. Jesse. <laughs> go to the Games Workshop store. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up a Manfred. Anyway, so there's all the spells. The question is, what do you obviously bring? they're awesome for Nagash. What do you do if What do you do for not Nagash? So hit us with your with your list. I just have a few things that I think are nice. The for Rise, the Grave Call. I think in the early game, it's always nice to put some Tomb Kings archers on the table. They're like the perfect chaff deletion unit, especially yeah. for shooting off things like. Uh, what are your annoying dudes called? Way watchers, things like that, that have <laughs> Always skirmish and hide yeah. in forests yeah. because the Tomb King archers don't take any yeah. any or penalties to take out shooting. those chameleon skinks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. So for the the medium version, you can put sixteen Tomb King archers on the table, which is a decent amount. If you get, you know, that's that would be my focus for turn one. Casting, are they only, are they only on the six table. points a pop? Yeah, six points a pop. That's pretty good. So put them on the table, and you have like six turns of shooting with them. Hmm. Pretty solid buy. For the Abyssal Swarm, you get a hun- you get seventy-five points worth of swarms or war beasts. I really like to bring three carrion for that. I think is a nice a nice summon. They're the fly- they're, flying ones. Yeah, they're flying. They have like three wounds each. I think um, they're f- they're flying units, so they go in skirmish formation. Um, very good. 
redirectors because you get all the reforms you want with them. They're 24 points a model, so you're getting three for 75 points. Um, just a very a very useful unit for the movement phase. Nice. Can even do a little character assassination with them, maybe. Mm -hmm. For the the um, character one, puts brings a lot of flexibility into the list because if you happen to be in a game against another undead player or somebody with vampires then you can summon a leech priest and uh, get some lore of light into your list through that mm. and start zapping lore of light at, um, at the undead nice or the uh, demons so that's pretty nice um, huh, otherwise yeah it is nice it, you know if you don't have access to lore of light and you know you don't even have to buy it in your list you just situational all right need some lore of light bring that leech priest on the board um the uh can wraith is always a good buy as well just an ethereal character um yeah good for redirecting and just uh holding people up yeah. uh, especially if you notice some small units of like knights and stuff um, very punchy small units who don't have a lot of ranks to crumble the unit just through static combat res. Mm -hmm. um, put a little ethereal unit in front of them and you can really hold them up a long time. Um, the cavalry one, you get five hex wraiths for 150 points, which is always a solid buy. Hex wraiths are yeah, nasty. They're really yeah. nice. And um, Meanwhile, Jesse's destroying the dungeon. <laughs> So just the, again, flexibility, just being able to summon some magical attacks when you happen to need them. Yeah, hex rates um, are really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The Leash Priest is, is 70 points for a level Yeah, so you have to spend one. a token on him. Yeah. Um, now, being that he's infantry, that means you can also use the... Uh, if we're assuming the, <laughs> if the, our interpretation is right, you can yeah. also use Rise Grave oh. Call to yeah. bring him. So you could basically have a Light Council um, very quickly. Summon a little Light Council. Yeah. yeah. If only, like if you only had one wizard with this, you could. Uh, well, you can also mount him on a skeletal steed for ten points. Mm -hmm. So you could then have, you know, if you had the three correct spells, the cavalry, the infantry, the character, you could you could summon a light council in a single turn. And then, and then here's the awesome part. Yeah, you have the herdstone, and you summon them around the herdstone. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you're a and jerk. You just start getting all the dice, and it's a positive feedback loop of, oh. of all the win. Oh, man. <laughs> you just broke the game. <laughs> you just Tom broke the game. That's Tom's job. Yeah, yeah good for you. It's like, you. What are you doing with that headstone, bro? You don't have any casters. Oh, don't I? Boo, boo, boo. You've only got one caster and a herdstone? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Nagash and his herdstone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thousand point army. I'll take anybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Cool. Then I might six dice the, the Harbinger one as well and bring a Vargolf onto the table. Nice. Just for giggles. Vargolf is good because he he's vampiric, so he can march off on his own and do his own thing and can not have to be alone. in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, there, there's some neat units in the Tomb Kings books. Um, I think the, you know, uh, we're kind of going to move on to that now. The Undead Legion, um, it uncripples the uh, the Tomb Kings a little bit um, because now uh, they don't have the Nehekaran Undead rule in the same way they don't 
all crumble when the Hierotitan dies, the Hierophant, the Hierophant dies, um, and instead they can they can actually stick around and they so, can march now and they can march the yes bubble yeah so just like how the uh, VC have always been able to do um, now the the Tomb Kings can as well. So before we leave these spells, what's the coolest thing you've summoned so far, Jesse? Oh, that would have to be against you, Tom, and that would be just my all the spirit. I think hosts. it would just be the, the the several several rounds of spirit host walls, hundreds and hundreds of points so. worth of. Here's just five spirit hosts every round of the game, <laughs> just popping up all. Because I was spending all my dice to prevent the 450 points worth of cavalry spell. Yeah, so then he's just like, all right, spirit, spirit hosts. hosts. Are they infantry? Spirit hosts. Ah, uh, swarms. There's swarms. swarms. So, uh, so Nagash is getting 225 yeah, points. I think of swarms he almost he almost summoned well. his point value back on a the game against the chaos. Oh yeah. So what did the up. what did the spirit host do? Did they do anything just, in the game? Just die just every die. time just you brought them up. Hold everything yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's a great I, way when a Kadai destroyer is charging towards you. It's nice. Just put a wall <laughs> yeah. Just of wall ethereal of in front of them. Spirit host. Oh, he can't. Uh, does he not have magical attacks? Kadai doesn't know. Uh. So he just gets completely <laughs> railroaded by them. That's I did on my last turn. I just charge him straight into them and then six dice the enchanted blades on him. Yeah. And That's then awesome. Wrecked, then, he then, then he has magical attacks. Yeah. yeah. Then he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. There was more spirit hosts than ever, which was cool because mm -hmm. they're freaking awesome models, the new spirit yeah. hosts. Super cool. And they were cool. just all over the table. Great, great <laughs> motivation. Crazy. Great yeah. Motivation just popping up and. Pop up and kill all my war machines. And Did they? Yeah, they killed a Death Shrieker, I think, and a level <laughs> one. Caster. You killed all the war machines back yeah, then. That's yeah. right. So did you? Did you win that game? Uh, it was actually a draw when all was said and done. It was a tie on points, but we were playing the secret missions from Sparkle Party, and mm -hmm. Jesse achieved his, and I didn't. So it was <laughs> a, a fifteen pass. ten game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what was yeah. your mission? None shall pass. So oh, it's chaos dwarfs. It's a no-brainer. Yep, yep. It's like they're not even going to try and come to my side. Of the table, <laughs> yeah. so I figured everybody would play that one against you. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good plan. Well, not anymore. All right. Not now. I'm bringing the beastmen of doom. <laughs> all right. All right. Meanwhile, <laughs> the glot men. Meanwhile, back in the end times. Back in the end times. Back in the real world. Yeah. So, so that was Lore of Undeath. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Undead Legion. I think is that the next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Tom, g give us a summary of what what's changed there. Jesse, give us a summary of what's, <laughs> changed, of what's there. changed. Oh, it's what's delegation. The undead Legion. Never, do? never, never play in the Tomb Kings before. Um, what What do you feel has changed for your vampire accounts? I gave it gave the vampire accounts. I had always built them as a very themed list. Um, I guess I actually kind of built them more similar to a Tomb King's army, where it was, you know, only only skeletons. A lot of skeletons, and, uh, yeah. And I was using a lot of ghosts or ethereal stuff also, but you know, it gave me it gave me a ton of versatility in that, you know, now archers are included in there, mm -hmm. chariots, cannon, herbal catapults. Um, you know, along with a lot of the Tomb King stuff, uh, the Casket of Souls and the uh, the Hyro Titan, which I never even heard of prior to prior to having the opportunity to use them. Which is great. <laughs> and, uh, um, Jesse's turned into a power gamer now. I have yeah. spent too much time with you guys. Um, <laughs> but once once I started seeing that stuff, you know, it totally opens it up. I'm no longer restricted to an army that has no shooting phase, right. an army that's um, not necessarily very maneuverable. But um, but still being skeletal. Still being still being skeletal was great for me because it, it definitely so the big fits. change that allows a lot of those sneaky tactics is just the statement that there's no such thing as Neakaran undead anymore. That mm -hmm. just changed to Everything being just undead, turns into undead, and it's all just controlled by the undead rule that's printed in this book, yeah. which means when the Hierotitan says he gives plus three 
plus d3 bonus to all casting by Nayakar and Undead. And now it just yeah, means by me. all undead, undead, so it works on. Oh, yeah. nice. Works on the gash. Everyone. Everybody, yeah. yeah. That so that's a, and, and personally, I think a lot of this stuff is great. I mean, you know, I think the Tomb Kings had a lot of units with really cool special rules. They just never really had the synergy to be a, to right. be a powerful <clears> army. And some of that um, things synergize beautifully with vampire cards. Oh, amazing. You know, and, and, and yeah. it still allows you to make really cool themed lists. I've always had, you know, very strong cores of skeletons. Mm -hmm. um, so the Tomb Kings, I didn't know either. They're, they're, they're princes and their kings, you know, convey weapon skill uh, to the skeletons. Or they're, uh, someone's going to laugh at me. I don't have the book in front of me, but I think the... Uh, one of the one of the tomb king units or tomb king heroes I mean, it's a tomb herald gives them hatred um oh, so the, you can you can um, really you can really buff the your necrotect necrotect you maybe hatred, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can really kind of synergize so uh, there's this there's a really sweet unit you can build now which is the grave guard with a tomb king so their weapon mm -hmm. skill six with the banner of the barrows is that twos, the one that's plus yeah. one to hit <laughs> and then with a necrotect as well so hatred so against most stuff, you're hitting on twos with a reroll. Whoa! And with you know, great this weapons. is straight strength six killing blow. And then you get your yeah. corpse cart behind there, giving them always strikes first on top of that. So. <laughs> nice, that's you so know. epic. Whoa! See, I really, really I, I like the um, the themes that this unlocks because now you can do like a Bretonian themed undead army. Um, well, the or because you the, could have you, you know have your screaming skull and, catapults can be yeah, the trebuchets, yeah. and you can have the the bowmen archers yeah. you know you can you can really start doing some stuff that um you you know kind of made sense to do in the past but yeah. you just couldn't quite do because there wasn't rules for it and now having access to both them gives you that perfect access you can be like oh this is a vampire you know a vampire took over this bretonian city and this is what happened you know yeah. so like it just gives you those interesting pairings and lore of Neokara now becomes really good because mm -hmm. it allows you to build basically the, the most mobile undead army ever because you're now mm. marching within the, the leadership's bubble and then you have the signature spell from Law of Neokara mm. allows everything within six inches oh, to make another another move and then the, the undead spell that gives them another move as then well you got Van so Hell's you dance really... macabre moving again so you have a crazy fast undead army which yeah. is pretty funny which is good because they were <laughs> they were kind of slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's another one of those things like like the Chaos Legion. It unlocks a lot of really cool themed lists that hopefully people will use this to do. It also yeah. opens the door for a lot of power gaming, really power gaming which well, people will do. Yeah, but the thing is, is it it was kind of two. One was you know a kind of a weak book and one was a middle of the road book and you put yeah. them together and now it, it becomes a really good combo. Yeah, it allows Undead to be um, one of the one of the top armies. And, and I just think that it because there are so many options and so many ways you could play it now that we're not going to just keep seeing the same thing. We, mm -hmm. we didn't really do that with VC anyways because VC had pretty good internal balance. There was a lot of different ways you could play that. But I think you're going to see even more of that now. You're going to just yeah. see completely wacky things. And you'll be like, whoa, those combos are, whoa. <laughs> or, Mind you know, equals blown. Or the themes are going to be like, wow, that's an incredible theme. Yeah. I love all the conversions. You know, weird stuff like that's going to start popping up that we maybe didn't see as much before. And I think this yeah. is going to probably help the Tomb Kings out the most or the Tomb oh, King yeah. players because it gives them so many more options that they can... Oh, for sure, yeah. You, know, you don't have to just make an Undead Legion army. You can still fit within your theme and, mm -hmm. and just kind of mix some of the Vampire Count stuff in there. 
This yeah. and Chaos Legions is going to make tournaments quite unwieldy, though. When for like <laughs> Chaos Legion, you turn up, you have to have this book, Beastmen, Demons, Warriors of Chaos. You have this stack of books that you bring to the table. With you. Like, Only jerks are going to have to carry. Here's those. my stack of rules. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of rules, how about we run through the new characters that have mm-hmm. come out? And mm-hmm. I think that'll probably take and us to the end of the That'll book. wrap us up. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with the Supreme Necromancer himself, the Arch Necromancer, as his special rule is called, uh, Nagash. So he is um, sevens across the board, pretty much, except he's got six in move, initiative, and attacks, and he's 10 leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's pretty tough. Um, yep, he is a level five wizard. Uh, I think he's the only one in the game. Mm-hmm. There's even a designer's note, and there's oh, he's so incredibly powerful. He's the only. Yeah, he's, he's an exception. Five, to the rule. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so he's a large target. Uh, he causes terror. He's undead, and he has three special rules: um, Arch Necromancer. So if he miscasts, um, you get to re-roll on the miscast table. Uh, that's pretty darn good. Um, so he's he's yeah, less so likely can, to. So when you don't get dimensional cascade, you can re-roll yeah. and <laughs> get dimensional cascade. Yeah, so you exactly. can do that as many times as you can only re-roll, re-roll once, once yeah. obviously, but as many times. Every, time. every, every time you miscast. Every time you miscast. That's yeah, really for solid. Sure. That's like having that one item, but mm-hmm. as many as you possibly want. Yeah, the the earthing rod. The earthing rod. Yeah, yeah. Earth it's the, like having infinite earthing rods. What's the Soul throne? The throne of vines or whatever. Well, the throne of vines is just a little different. Yeah, pretty much a two-up board against miscast. Um, so the other special he's got is Death Magic Incarnate. That's, that's uh, probably the biggest one there. Yeah. That's oh, huge yeah. for undead. Yeah. So they get two less wounds um, than they normally would from uh, the unstable rule, um, which is in addition to other things like, uh, uh, is it the banner? The BSB, and then there's also uh, some Morgasts, I think they are. There's yep. a character later in the book that also that also reduces crumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so theoretically, you could have a minus four to your crumbles. Um, That's pretty darn good. So even if you lose by Someone four in that case, you would not be losing any models. So it's basically about making the, and this makes sense with all the end times fluff, is saying you know it, the magic that binds the undead together is stronger than it used to be, and mm-hmm. especially around the gash. Okay, and Supreme Lord of the Undead. This is the one we've already <laughs> talked about. He uh, he basically triples the number of points whenever he casts some summoning spells, and very importantly, triples the distance. Triples so the you distance. get stuff right behind the enemy lines. Yeah, 30, 36 inches. You can summon all the way at their deployment zone on turn oh, one. That's, that's what I saw in the game you played against Riley. First turn, he just summoned something that popped all of your fanatics mm-hmm. immediately. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's um, so yeah, it's 12 <laughs> inch I knew range it was bound to happen. All the <laughs> summoning spells becomes a thirty-six inch range. So you know. He's a thousand points. I didn't. We didn't mention that at start. So that's that's pretty. That's quite a lot of points. Pretty, pretty much. You're basically saying, okay, this is my army, and now I've got this, all this other stuff to kind of support it. But yeah. Nagash. Um. So let's just go through his magic items. Obviously, we talked a bit about these in the in the fluff section. Um. He's got Alakanash, the staff of power. This allows him to store up to four power dice to use in a subsequent magic phase. That's pretty darn cool, mm-hmm. and he can he can also pop those out. In addition to the six dice that you can, 
um, throw at a spell. So he can throw up to 10 dice at a spell. Yeah, that's awesome. So that makes that 24 plus seem. Yeah. yeah. When you really, really, really want to miscast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throw. It's turn six and I still haven't earned my dimensional cascade points for the round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throw them. Yeah. yeah. Guaranteed miscast but and it's... then re-roll yeah. the dimensional cascade. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Also worth knowing, I think, and I've used it a couple of times, you can also use those to replace an attack with uh, the heroic killing blow special oh, ability. Yeah. So. Fear goes Each toe to toe with yeah. the Glotkin or, or, or somebody else. Oh, some, gross. Uh, so you yeah. can spend four dice edge. and get four attacks with four, heroic, four heroic killing blows. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, nice. with weapon skill seven, he's likely. He's very much a beast in combat. Yeah, he's, he's nasty. He kills. So he's got a four up armor save and a four up ward save from marking the black armor. Mm-hmm. He's got the nine books of Nagash, which allow him to know nine spells. One's always rise. Um, which is the signature from Lord of Undeath. And then he generates the other eight spells from Death, Light, Nehakara, no. Vampires, or Undeath in any combination. What's the strategy here, Jesse? How do you um, choose? I've, I've kind of evolved. I tried I tried starting out with the Nehakara. You know, um, I tried actually taking something from all the lores, but you really, I think you really either have the lore master, the, the Undeath, or, or at least put four spells into it. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure you get at least three mm-hmm. you want at you know, least three I, I, I found myself hardly ever using the vampire um, spells and if I did it was only for the augments where you rolled a hit or um, you know a little bit extra movement and but, just to get a wound back yeah, on Nagash you, yeah you really you really you use Nagash to, to spam undeath yeah um, but you know I, I can absolutely see you taking four in undeath um, and then taking the other four in like light for example I would always I take at least one light um, I would take for death. Fun. Well, <laughs> magic missiles are always always nice. Yeah, and is it um, uh, Shem's burning gaze? Is yeah, the yeah. Is the signature? Hero Titan gets that stock. Oh, uh, yeah, nice. that's true. <laughs> but um, light has some really nice uh, buffs as well, especially for undead, like rising their initiative to ten and stuff. That yeah, be good, weapon yeah. skill. Yeah, light is a very solid lore. I'd like, I'd like but, to try and engage at least. A couple but I think you really have to make sure you get all of the all of the summon spells mm-hmm. i've yeah, been, I've most been important my first thing. two games i got burned because mm-hmm. I, it was always that one thing that i built my army around like i wanted more swarms that was the one spell i didn't get yeah and so you really yeah, yeah you do because some you know with a level five wizard you're gonna often have enough dice to cast all four of those spells in a turn mm-hmm. so yeah if you can make the most of them you gotta especially do that. with your herd song mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay and lastly he's got uh zephet nebtar the mortis blade um Plus one strength and D three multiple wounds, so, so six eight. attacks at strength eight doing D three wounds. Just That's adding insult to injury. And he's he's a monster. And you can make four of them. Her is he a monster? No, he's not a monster. Oh, he's he a monster. He's a monster. Troop type monster. So he Troop type monster. So he gets his thunder stomp. Stomp too. Strength seven thunder stomp. Uh, and the question is, can he stand up to call friends? Yeah, I don't know. I think well, they well, maybe kill each other at the same I think, time. I think his summoned hordes will, will, will keep him far enough away that that shouldn't be an we'll issue. We'll put them in the pit and see what happens. Not with, uh, not with flight. Not with flying. Uh, death clock yeah, and fly. Right yeah. Unless you unless you put them literally one right one, <laughs> one inch, inch away so he happen, can't yeah. land there. Yeah. Yeah. Just do a conga line of spirits and a direct trajectory between <laughs> Carl and you. You can't land. All right, so uh, let's go on to Manfred. So well, how do you kill Nagash? How that's do you kill Nagash? What do you do He's, against Nagash? You don't Q-Q. shoot him with Deshreaker. You don't shoot him with Deshreaker. That. That's the bad choice. <laughs> that final didn't work final chance. They just bounce off him, off yeah. his hat. 
Honestly, I think it's been the magic phase that's killed him uh, yeah. more times than anybody. Poisoned. Yeah, poisoned. Um, I got three wounds on him with uh, Searing Doom. Mm-hmm. That and, was the closest uh, I got to him. That's, uh, that's what Michael used to kill Rileys, I think. E- oh, yeah. Even poison is tricky, though, because most poison is just uh, straight up your regular save. So he's mm-hmm. a four up, four up. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. what, uh, what, a, what a, a friend of ours did a couple games ago is actually really clever. He used uh, Arcane Unforging. Yeah, and just happened to luck out. He wasn't even trying to, but he managed to destroy the, uh, the black armor. Yeah. And yeah. he also happened to have about 30 chameleon skinks <laughs> in the vicinity of Nagash. Yeah. And uh, one so turn, no one turn shot him into oblivion. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. every six, and he rolled hot. Yeah, I mean, that's um, at that point, he's not that hard to kill if he's right. got no armor or ward save. No, nothing. Um, it's interesting, the the nine books of Nagash, there's been a bit of a debate, you know, what happens when you arcane on forge those. Mm-hmm. I think locally we've decided that this is a one-use item that's used at the start of the game. To generate mm-hmm. spells. To generate spells. And so therefore, it's not even counted as part of arcane on forging. You just hit Alakanash, Marakane, or Zephyr Nebtar. Yep. Yeah. Seems like a decent way to play it. People have tried to argue that he would lose all of his spells because without these books, you don't that know his spells. Yeah. I, w- I would say at the very most, you could argue that he loses four spells yeah, he's because a level he's a level five. five wizard. And that means he's always allowed to know f- five spells. The books just bump that to nine. I just think that seems very complicated. It is. Uh, I like the other interpretation better. Yeah, yeah I prefer it. And then, um, and then I played against you, Ricky, actually. You, you tried kind of a unique strategy, and I don't know Orcs and Goblins magic. <laughs> For, for <laughs> it's not a unique strategy it was but, a uh, chain of incredible well, luck okay so luck, yeah. yeah i was playing you with a with my um ofcc list which was not a very competitive list but it did have the wizarding hat and i managed to lore, roll lore of shadow and then i also managed to roll pit of shades and i took miasma and then with my level four on um Little log, I I got itchy nuisance, mm-hmm. and then I happened to get a nice large magic phase, <laughs> and I got uh, miasma off on you, and I lowered you by d three by three with the d three, um, and then on the initiative right, and then I got itchy nuisance off, but I only got one pip on that right, or was it two pips? You got him down to initiative one. I got him was... to, no, it's down to initiative, initiative two. 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 That's yeah, right, so yeah. I think I rolled one pip on itchy nuisance, which is lowers your initiative by d six, which I just got a crappy roll there. And then on top of that, <laughs> I managed to get pit of shades off, <laughs> right on top of the gash, and it didn't scatter off, Mm-mm. and. All you needed to do was roll three up, a three up, and I would have had that game. Mm-hmm. But you rolled a two. The so. one time, the one time my dice. Uh, yeah, so it was. That's not a combo that I think people could count on because that that was a whole <laughs> string of that's events. A, <laughs> that's I, think, I, think it, I think I think it really makes it. I mean, cause he can he can eat cannon shots all day. Yeah. Um, in, in my experience, between the ward save and just you know rolling to hit and and just yeah. a bucket of wounds. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. And then he gets them back every turn. I, I, the magic phase has actually been what scared me the most. You know, because mm-hmm. six dicing a spell is not not that difficult to do yeah Um, well especially with night goblins yeah Mm. um so for me it was just yeah it was the perfect string of events that had it worked (laughs) it would have been the most epic thing ever but total perfect gobliny like yeah nagash just his will was so strong that he still (laughs) passed on a two 
And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, so that, there's, I think magic is what's going to kill him more than anything. Mm, magic missiles or, yeah. or anything. Yeah. I think you're just going to see that. Light. Yeah. The light counts a little mm. bit. Laura Death, Laura Death and Laura Light. Like, and I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't have a rule that actually makes him immune to Laura Death. But, That's yeah. true. Um, That'd be fitting. I think they ran out of room after. after yeah, after, yeah. After, like, after the full page. Rules, yeah. All right, let's burn through some of the other yeah, special characters. Let's move characters. on to the triple kit of the three Mortocks riding mm-hmm. their dread abyssals. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Manfred, we've got um, a level four wizard. Um, he can take spells from death, vampires, and undeath. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is weapon skill seven, strength five, tough six, ten wounds. Nine attacks, initiative seven, leadership ten. So this he is, is a blender. Yeah, this is is uh, he's riding on this um, uh, abyssal. What do they call them? Abyssal, dread abyssals. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, a And so they they have a combined profile because he he's you know on a monster. There's no there's no two separate profiles like you have for most ridden monsters. One for the monster, one for the rider. He's just treated as a single. Single monster. And, and looking at and looking at end times Glotkin, it looks like that's something they're doing for all. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all the end times mounts, at least. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, um, and and if you look at it, it's actually just add the wounds, add the attacks, and then take the highest stat of everything, of everything else. else. Yeah, mm-hmm. Basically. Um. And I'm like, okay, if that's how things are going to be, I'm looking forward to making my own custom characters riding monsters. That'd yeah. Be cool. If they just yeah. change it to that for everything, that would be sweet. Pop stuff on a dragon and get 10 wounds. Yeah, let's do That'd it. Awesome. Um, so but Manfred has rules that just make him, yeah, really blend in combat. He's got the dark cunning where he can uh, choose to remove or add three dice from the power pool um, in the magic phase. So for each dice removed he increases his attack characteristic by one for that phase and for everyone added he decreases it by one for the phase so it means in the early game before you're in combat you can you know lose a bunch of attacks to bump up your power pool i could still see him bumping the power pool even yeah true even, even in combat because he, he's you, got so many anyways yeah and stomp but and when everything. you get into combat you can get your attacks up to yeah. 12 by taking some dice out the pool yeah. true, it's true that dice are probably more useful in the power pool than it yeah in it just attacks. depends on if you have anything <clears throat> you can cast into combat or not right but yeah right yeah um but that that's a pretty neat rule though yeah it is I it gives like him it, it gives him a lot of flexibility mm-hmm um, well, and that kind of goes hand in hand. Just to jump forward a few, he's also got the uh, the magical sword that every time he does cause a wound, uh, each unsaved one he gets an additional magic dice. You're kind right. of gambling. You can always gamble those extra dice to increase the amount of wounds you're going to well, cause. And above and beyond that, the master of the black art special rule that he's got allows him to re-roll <laughs> one of the dice for the wins of magic. So <laughs> no, this guy's scary. a bit of a douchebag. <laughs> I, I I really like him actually. Yeah, he's he's, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. Cool cost of six hundred and fifty. Six hundred and fifty points, and he's definitely not as as uh, hard to kill as Nagash, but. Yeah, he's got a five up. Uh, well, he's got a four up armor save. Yeah, ten wounds is basically the defense that he and has. Ten wounds. He's got no. He's not. He got he no, no ward save. save. Um, so he's definitely, <clears throat> you know, he's cannon bait. But at the same time, you're gonna have to hit him with two cannon shots to take him down. Three reliably. Mm-hmm. Three reliably. Yeah. Um, two is a minimum. Um, and, and for every unsaved wound, roll a d6 on a six, regain a wound. Yep. So that once you've lost a bunch of wounds, that's when you start adding as many combat attacks, attacks as yeah, you yeah. can and start getting wounds back mm-hmm. that way. Yep. 
Um, and, uh, you know, he flies around the place and, um, he, uh, he's also able, he doubles the range for summoning spells so he can, uh, get him, get him in there two feet away, which is, mm-hmm. is not to be sniffed at. He, he just gives you a really, really powerful magic phase, huh? Yeah. He's ridiculous. If he could be taken phase. with Nagash, mag- uh, magic phases would be absurd. He cannot unless you're playing 3,300 points. Or unless we're allowing him to be summoned. <laughs> <laughs> Summon him turn one and then the rest of the magic phases are just yeah, obscene. All, all the magic phases. Obscene. Yes, okay. Skipping the flies, movement, right? Right? Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. Right. yeah. All of the uh, dread abyssals fly. Um, can we move on to Arkhan? Arkhan the Black. Yeah. So Arkhan is the Mortark of Sacrament. He's actually, you know, probably got the shoddiest profile. Uh, he's only weapon skill four. Uh, he's still tough six with eight wounds and seven attacks, but he's only initiative three and strength five. Uh, he's a level four wizard, either death or undeath. Um, he, uh, his, his uh, Mortark special rule is that he doubles the number of points that can be summoned um so he's like the mini nagash in mm-hmm. in that regard he's also got a similar staff to nagash and he can store power dice and then use those for uh yep. the next turn of, of combat yeah and he suffers one last wound from unstable mm-hmm. um and um other than that he's got this tomb blade that uh um Anytime somebody has an unsaved wound, he um, in close combat he immediately regains a wound lost earlier in the battle, um, up to a maximum of four in one combat. So, so that's all. Awesome. Yeah, if you can get him in, very survivable. A bunch of infantry, then yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I he's not as good as Manfred, I don't think. I don't think either. Six hundred and fifty points. I think the bonus there is that he can summon the double double point value. He can summon a double point. Yeah, but still only within twelve inches. Yeah, um, he can store power dice, so he can double distance too. No, he's not double, just double points. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, he's like a he's kind of a mini Nagash, but for me, he just falls way short of Manfred in terms of overall power. And he doesn't. Does he have any save? No, Mm. he has no save at all. (laughs) I'm a save of six up for being mounted. Yeah, and that's it. So he's really vulnerable for 650 points. I can't see him being yeah, taken he's very often. poisoned off the table. Which is a shame because I really like his model. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he does have the big hat syndrome, but... Um, <laughs> his armor looks pretty cool. His armor looks cool, which he doesn't actually have. And uh, yeah, right. <laughs> his dread abyssal looks pretty cool. All right, so on to uh, Neferata, she of the pointy chin. <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, she she does. has the best combat stats of all of the Mortarks. I yeah. think she's weapon skill eight um strength five, tough six, eight wounds, nine initiative and eight attacks. Always um, strikes first. She's ASF, oh, yeah. She's level three wizard, death shadow, vampires and undeath. So, you know, being able to take shadows no Yeah, that's pretty thing. sweet. Um her Mortark rule um she has the same thing about getting wounds back on a on a six. Her Mortark rule is um uh, first time she slays an opponent in a challenge, you place a vampire within 12 inches. Um, that's I like the fluff of that. It's basically she turns a character into a vampire. Um, but at the same time, I mean, a 60, it was a 65-point vampire. Yeah, a naked vampire is not that good. Not that great. It's a nice little redirector for free. Um, that's about it. Um, her other special rule is Twilight's Allure. 
uh, everybody gets minus one to hit her except for High Queen Kalida, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> funny. Because hatred uh, against her too, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, um, then she's got the the Dagger of Jet. Tom, can you talk us through that while I take a drink? Mm, the Dagger of Jet. What does that do? If she inflicts at least one unsaved wound in a challenge, then that uh, whoever she's in a challenge with loses a strength, toughness, and attack point um, to a minimum of one for the remainder of the game. So that's pretty... She is, she is decent in a challenge, for sure. Um, yeah, as soon as she's done a wound, strength and toughness come down, going to make it a lot easier for her to follow through and win that challenge. Do you think she could take on the Glotkin? She couldn't take on the Glotkin. No way. Yeah. I think only oh. Manfred could... <clears throat> maybe. I think Manfred could, but not, not Neferata. And then uh, she's got this thing for for anytime she casts a spell on an enemy unit. Effectively, they take D three strength five hits as well. So, so she has a lot of kind of situational special rules, um, yeah, challenges and stuff. So she's she has some nice gimmicks, but she's just nowhere nearly as useful all around as Manfred again. I think no, and and I you know I think she, I don't don't like her model very much. Um, you don't. No, I mean, it's pretty, but I don't like the ridiculously huge headdress that she has. What about her boobs? Um, I mean, how can you say no to boobs? <laughs> All right, so Krell, the Mortark of Despair. <laughs> she just got this model in the mail a couple of days ago. It was, it was so popular when the, the Undead Legions came out. It oh, was, yeah? It was out of stock for... Krell was? Yeah, you it just was out of Krell? stock for probably a good month. Cool. So. I love Krell. Model's amazing. I love his mohawk helmet. Mm. Yeah. I like I got a mohawk, I got horns, I got skulls, I got I love how ridiculously huge I love how ridiculously huge he looks on a twenty mil base. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big dude. I yeah. I like him. He's there's nothing subtle about him. He's two hundred and fifty points of lords. You know, he's weapon skill five, strength four, tough five, four wounds, initiative five, four attacks. Um and he's got killing blow. Um, he's got a four-up armor save. Um, now his magical armor, if he, how does this work? If um, if somebody wounds him and he makes his armor save for whatever reason, um, that magical weapon is now destroyed essentially, kind of like an arcane unforging thing. Nice. But you know, it's only going to be a lower strength weapon that'll ever wound him but yeah uh, <clears throat> well i don't know he's tough five so yeah but a no. four plus armor save if he's gonna make oh yeah, that yeah armor that's save, right the armor save it would have to be a strength five or, or lower, lower. have yep. a chance yeah yeah so his mortark rule is um he regains a wound if enemy unit within 12 inches takes a fails a fear terror mm -hmm. break test oh pardon me which seems kind of silly considering there's so many vampire you know spells and some other things that regain wounds anyways but uh it's kind of a cool fluff, mm. you know, kind of a cool fluff. and his black axe is, is pretty sweet plus two strength yeah. so he's actually hitting at strength six and doing d3 wounds yep he's a asl so it's like mm -hmm. basically a great weapon which is so sad for an initiative five model that's just that's just wrong yep and uh if he's fighting in the same fight as nagash because he gets her only killing blow so if you want to use your full 1250 points of lords and take him and Corral. Mm. You can. So I think it used to, it, in the Vampire's book, I think it's that if he's Heinrich in the same Kimmler. unit as Heinrich Kemmler, he this gets one heroic specifically killing says blow. He, yeah, he has, to so be, now, he has to be in a challenge um, while in the same combat as Nagash. Mm. So you would have to, 
He'd have so now he's, the same unit and he'd he's be the rebound be the, to Nagash. He's, uh, he's his champion for, for all intents and purposes. Huh. All right. Vlad. The original. Vlad is basically exactly the same, I think, <laughs> as in the Vampire's book. Yeah. Except I, for he's gained the Mortark of Shadow Rule. Yeah. And he can cast Lore of Undeath, obviously, but mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. can. So the Mortark of Shadow is enemy units <clears> have an additional minus one leadership within 12 inches. And shooting and close combat attacks directed against Vlad or his unit suffer a minus one penalty to hit. That's yep. really good. Mm-hmm. But he's 500 points for an infantry model. Yeah, but he, in the in the Vampire's book, I think he's 485 points. So he's getting that Mortark of Shadow mm-hmm. rule for five points, essentially. Yeah, and he's a neat little model. I, I quite like I mean, he's got a ridiculously huge uh, shoulder pad. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I like some of the detail on that little model. So, yep, he hasn't changed much. I think, I mean, he's incredibly hard to kill with that minus one to hit. And then plus he has the um, the boosted hunger thing where mm-hmm. every four wound plus. he makes, he's getting a wound back on a four up. And he's got a four up ward. And if four he dies, he comes on a two plus, he comes back with a single wound. And so yeah. he's going to get all of his wounds back. And yeah, yeah, it's. He is tricky to kill. He's very tough to kill, which is exactly how it should be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, and the last thing I think that we need to cover are the Morgasts. Yep. And these I haven't I haven't had a chance to try these out. I don't know if I necessarily uh, feel too inspired to. So these yeah. are new uh, monstrous monstrous infantry models. Mm-hmm. Um, they're strength and tough five with four wounds and three attacks, leadership ten. Um, they have um, special rule to reduce crumble by one for the for themselves and all friendly units within twelve inches. Um, they can hover, so this is basically the same as fly, except you can't march. Um, uh, killing blow, terror, undead, uh, eighty points. They come with two hand weapons and heavy armor. And I think the the most interesting thing is they also take away one from crumble. Um, so yep. if they're near Nagash and a BSB, you've, you've, that's where you get your minus four. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there's a 90-point version, which has exactly the same stat line, four but plus. comes with a halberd and a four-up armor save. And you can take them in units of two. Um, I see these guys as being reasonable to summon. Mm-hmm. You know, With you, what spell? Uh, mon- the monstrous infantry spell, the, no the signature. Spell. Yeah, signature spell is monstrous yeah. infantry if you boost it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Ah, up to 150 yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that'd be yeah. 450. That would be uh, that'd be a unit of my math's horrible. That'd be five, five more guest archies. Yeah, oh, I never archives. read that you could get monstrous infantry on the no, boosted one. Yeah, oh, that's a good. Yeah, then they're a reasonable summon for sure. Yeah, um, because even just having that minus one. Um, let's see here, units with this special rule. And all friendly units with the undead special will within 12 inches of them suffer one last wound. Well, does that mean if you have two units, do they suffer two less wounds? Rules is written, brah. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think they're a reasonable summon. Um, they're, they're not bad for monstrous infantry. You know, strength and tough five uh, with four wounds and a four up armor save. Um, it's technically strength six because they'll have a halberd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for Nagash, 450 points of them. He's put That's five, five of those five of guys and, on the table. Yeah, and they're flying effectively. Well, they're hover, but... Yeah, you know, yeah, that's nice, move, actually. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So 
I don't know if I'd pay to put them in the in the base army. I'm not sure I would either, but I think they're they're fun to summon. You can even summon, you know, just one of them if you, you know, the 150 point version, um, or two of them if you throw one a, token. Yeah. Throw right? one token. Yeah, yeah, throw a token on or two. Get two yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah, and I quite like the models. Um, they kind of lurk a little bit lizardy. Uh, yeah, undead lizardy. Kind of look to them. Um, which is neat. Isn't the fluff, uh, and, I, and maybe I didn't read it close enough. There's something out there. They're they're not human. There's some sort of dragon. I think the fluff is that they just that, uh, Nagash built them out of bone and whatever okay. image he wanted. The uh, apparently they they come from long before the time of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the the I think the god um, the god of light had these heralds that he sent to destroy the necromancer and to, to destroy Nagash. And Nagash basically went, no way, and turned them all undead instead. Nagash is such a badass. He How does he die so many times? Well, you know, the whole world <laughs> kind of yeah, inspired to kill him. Um, him. But you know what? Uh, you know, the whole Council of Thirteen and the Fellblade killed him. Uh, Sigmar what? killed him. Sigmar killed him. And, and you know, the uh, unit of chameleon skinks killed him. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> three deadliest things known to, known to man Nagash's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. least ceremonious downfall uh. oversized meatball alright so I think that kind of wraps up our, our yeah we're all nodding section. off yeah, to... it's getting mm. close to midnight and uh, um, I think um, that just uh, leaves me to wrap things up. Say um, thank you very much, Jesse, for coming yeah, and for uh, me. Uh, lending your your undead wisdom. And uh, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you download us from. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, on our blog, or on our forum. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on Twitter. Um, pick your poison. We're probably there somewhere. Um, just you know, Google for Dimensional Cascade Podcast and you'll, you'll find us around the place. Um, we're always happy to take questions. If you have suggestions for the pit or suggestions for um, other uh, things you'd like us to cover in uh, Hobby Horse or in Art of War, we'd love, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think that is our episode done. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Goodbye.